All right, everybody. It's, well, <laughs> it's not as good if it's not spontaneous. I know. <laughs> welcome to episode one. Fifty thirteen. Yay! Yay! <laughs> right, one fifty three. It is one fifty thirteen. Okay. It's one forty thirteen, which <laughs> makes one fifty three. Right? Uh, yeah, this is episode one fifty three, and uh, I got a quick joke for you before you get started with this week's show. I Other thought, than your math joke, one forty thirteen. Oh yeah, when you said math joke, I actually did have a math joke, and I was like, how did he know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this guy is driving through Texas on this BMW. Fancy schmancy, like new BMW. Our joke is can't buy parts anywhere and he breaks down. Ah! Which is uh which is fine because the new BMWs, remember if you remember if about twenty episodes ago, we talked about how they're coming with that three D printer in the top case. Oh yeah. That's Booyah. Bad. You just print your own part. But anyway, he's driving through Texas and um the guy's like, Oh, uh, you know, he never the, he pulls up to a gas station, the dude has never seen a, a BMW before pulls up the helmet, pulls up the it's a modular helmet, of course. It's BMW. Why would you write anything else? And guess who's in it? The world's most famous golfer, Tiger Woods. Uh, Tiger Woods. Okay, I was gonna let you say because I was like, maybe there's a, maybe he's gonna say Rory McElrath or somebody new that uh, uh, no, I don't th- know. I think that's the only golfer I know. Yeah, me too. Besides that's Happy I was Gilmore. Like, uh, that's what I was going to say. If you said Tiger Woods, I was going to say, what about Happy Gilmore? So you you got my job. I'm glad you're, you're on the same page with me. Lifts up the uh, helmet, and it's Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I think it should be Tiger Woods because Happy Gilmore wouldn't ride a BMW. But, yeah, uh, uh-uh. So Tiger Woods, he gets off the bike to, you know, to, to fill it up, and a bunch of golf tees fall out of his pocket. And the guy at the gas station just kind of goes, oh, hey, what are those for? And he's like, oh, you put your balls on him when you're driving. And the guy looks at the motorcycle and he looks at him and he's like, wow, BMW thinks of everything. Da, 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 da. Oh, I thought you had a sound clip that went, Wah. Oh, did you want me to do that one instead? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, don't tell that to anyone. They'll punch you in the face. Um, and if you do tell that one, uh, use happy Gilmore. So yes, welcome to episode 153. Uh, we got in the studio with us tonight, world famous hooligan racer extraordinaire and coming to us all the way from seven miles away. Are you, you're not even that far. Uh, all, all the way from yeah, I don't even think it's that far. It's about two and a half miles away. Wiggins. I like how you say it like I'm a special guest when... Were you waiting I'm for someone to pop out behind the toolbox? I'm like co-host and I'm here all the time. <laughs> You're special to Most, me, some, not Some of the time I'm yeah. here. You're here. You are the co-host. As much as I can be. Yeah. You're you're a special uh, co-host. So no one else is in here with me. So what the hell are you <laughs> But um, You do have a refrigerator right there. I didn't that, know. Yeah, that's true. Could yeah. be a few people in there. Uh, don't look in that refrigerator, Wiggins. If you want to, if you want to make it on this podcast a lot, um, yeah. So in the house we have world class Wiggins and uh, Junkie Junkman, who brings the show down about six b- intelligence points, but also class points. And uh, if we were scoring it on a race, I'd probably lose points just for entering. Um, welcome to episode one fifty three. We got. I have uh, six things on our list here, but I don't know if we'll get to all of them because I know Wiggins has something he wants to tell all of you. And I want you to hear, by the way. But before we get started, I do have a shout-out, Wigs. 
we're going to have to take this into consideration for tonight's show. We got a shout out from a little girl who listens with her dad, and she wanted to shout out on the show her name. So, Serena, uh, we're going to try and. Serena. Serena? Serena. It's a. It's Spanish for mermaid, okay. like siren, you know, like Serena. Okay. Yeah, but not Serena, like Serena Williams. Okay. Serena. It was very specifically told, uh, told to me. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. So uh, I said I'll try to keep it kid-friendly, but who knows? We may go off the rails, Serena and your dad. So I hope, I hope her dad listens to the show and then listens to it with her. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Wow. I think they – and the the worst part is I think they listen to the – they started at number one, and they're probably like in the teens now. And so I was like, "Well, to get your shout out, you're obviously going to have to go listen to the newer ones." Which oh, are, they need to listen to the new ones and then yeah. go backwards on their board. That's right. And so I suggested that a few times, but uh, you know, some diehards they they want to uh, catch up. They they want to hear what happened three years ago that they missed. <laughs> and say, oh yeah, that but in the meantime, they're missing now. Yeah, that would have been awesome to do that. And we also got a new patron. Uh, Danger Dan from Danger Dan's Talk Shop, which is a motorcycle podcast. Um, you ever heard of a podcast? I I feel like nobody has a podcast these days. Is he dangerous? He is dangerous. And he's, uh, let me think of how many he's got. He's got quite a few in the can, actually. Um, All right, everybody. Yeah, I just wanted to take this moment, this technical difficulty, actually, to tell you all about something, uh, about this episode specifically, we uh, we go quite long, if you haven't seen by the time. And actually, I'm speaking a little bit ahead of the game here. I haven't edited this fully, but we go pretty long on this episode. It's about two and a half hours right now uh, before editing. So we get into a Joe Rogan ramble fest. Uh, we do have the challenge. We do have some, you know, we do go through the normal stuff. But then there at the end, we just kind of, I think Chris was delirious. And I had my uh, share of things I wanted to say that we haven't said for the past three episodes since we've been doing shows uh, like IMS and all that stuff. So basically, we just kind of ramble. Just to let you know, this is a longie. You might want to split it in half, or you might want to do whatever you do to Joe Rogan's podcast. Let him play in the background, uh, do it at night with your friends, and make it a drinking game, whatever. At any rate, uh, the technical difficulty allowed me this intermission. I just want to tell you. Clobman's Pickles. They'll help you win every single race you enter. All right. Let's get back to the show. Let's jam out to this song I made first and then get back to the show. Dude, he does anything. He doesn't care. All right, everybody. We are back. And sorry for the technical difficulties. We had... Do they even know? Yeah. It could have been like three days, and they have no clue. It's been, guys, it's been three days. <laughs> <laughs> you have no clue, but we are back. I don't even know where we were. We were talking about uh, keeping this, oh, new patron Danger Dan. That's where we left oh, yeah. off. And then guess you'll never guess what. The card was full on our recorder. And I have to tell you, for three years, uh, I've been recording on this. And uh, I've been, I saved most of the interviews 
I erase a lot of stuff, but I save most of the interviews and I've been saving like a special reel of me and Wiggins so I can put, make like a funny chopped up, uh, Oh man. Yeah. It takes a lot of hours of editing to do it, but I thought, what the hell? I got all this footage of us, hours and hours of us saying ridiculous stuff. Might as well put it to good use. And guess what? The card was full. So that's why we, we uh, blanked out there for a little bit, but we are back. This is, uh, episode 153 of creative writing and, um, Wiggins, we, I told a stupid golf joke. I gave a shout out to our new patron, Danger Dan. I chewed gum in everyone's ear. And we gave a shout out to Serena, who wants us to give her a, a shout out by name, who listens with their dad. Part two, which I didn't even tell you about, is Wiggins news. Wiggins, you have some news you want to tell us about. I did? You- uh, that I bought a motorcycle? What? <laughs> <laughs> I you- mean... It is a motorcycle podcast, so I guess that's a proper topic. Yeah, let's hear all about this new motorcycle. Okay, how many motorcycles are in your garage, first off? Inside? Well, how many motorcycles do you have? Um, four, five, many, five, how- five, four, one, two, three, four, five, six at the house. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I have one more. Yeah. Oh, shit, seven, my CB400. Yeah. I thought it was nine, but... Uh, I don't think so. I got okay. my Dyna trying to sell the new bike. Not going to give it away yet. Some people know. Um, the Buell, the CBX, my Street 750 that I need, also need to put wheels on and sell. Sportster, um, CB400, and I have a Sportster to friend shop, which is eight. Yeah, yeah. so I have seven at the house. You did have nine. What about your Jawa? Oh, fuck. So I have eight at the house. Yeah. I do have a Jawa done. So you have nine. <laughs> what about the duck? That's ten. Well, the duck sold to buy the oh, new bike. Oh, you finally sold a duck. Dude, so, and I got like, I got less than I wanted for sure. I ended up getting 3300 out of it, but, and I rolled the dice, so I'm not a dick trying to get more than I have in it, so everyone can piss off if you think so, um, but... <laughs> Do you want do you want people to write in and tell you tell, tell you if they think you're dick. getting too um, too much? I oh shoot, now I forget that we have a little girl listening to the show. So I um uh, Hey, a caveat. This little girl did say uh I have three or I forget how many older sisters. Three older sis three teenage sisters. And so cuz I think I replied something like, "Oh, there's cussing. I feel so bad for the cussing." And she yeah. said, "Well, I have three teenage or older sisters, so okay. I hear it. So, it's okay for It'll still people. I should still improve. But um yeah. so I when I bought the duck, it wasn't running. It wouldn't start. I actually wasn't 100% sure the title was going to come back clean. Um I mean not salvaged, not like stolen, but not salvaged. Um so I rolled the dice on it. Like I had no idea. Um I had to put a battery in it. I had to get a clutch, which I found a used one cheap. I had to send the ECU off to Houston Superbikes to get flashed because there was no key. Um, I had to get a master, uh, front master cylinder because it was missing some stuff off the brake lever. Um, I had a couple other little things to like clean up. And then I put fresh chain and sprockets and fresh tires and all total, I think I picked that one up for sixteen or seventeen hundred, but not running. And I had to do all that stuff to it. It was a pretty easy fix, but again, like I didn't know yeah. when I put a battery in it, is the motor going to turn over and go clunk, 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 clunk? Is the title going to come back and say clean? Um, anything like that. So I was totally rolling the dice. Um, I couldn't even like 
turn it over because the clutch was all like hitting the inside of the clutch basket. Like, so what had happened to the clutch? Like that sounds, it crashed on the right side. So it just smashed the clutch cover into the clutch and screwed up the clutch a little bit. We need to contact Jay, get, get Jay back on the show and tell her we think that she may have crashed her bike hard (laughs) enough to do a Ducati number. So, well, so there was a lot, there was a big, uh, there was a big chance for failure on that thing. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of those situations, like I didn't think that, you know, I had a broken rod, but there was that chance. Cause I couldn't turn it over. I couldn't start it. I did not know. Um, you know, judging by the bike, it could have been ran with no oil in it and totally seized. So I don't know. I got it home, got it fixed, got it running. Like it was a great bike. I had it for two years, almost year and a half, two years. Um, actually, yeah, I would have got it in April. So I had it a year in April. So whatever year and a half. So, but it was a good bike. I never really used it for commuting. Like I was going to took it to the track a few times, but chain and sprockets, tires, ECU flashed everything all in registration, master cylinder, clutch, everything, like all that stuff. I was in under three grand. So I made a little bit of money and had it for a year and a half. That's including the tires that I put on it that I wore out the edges anyway at the track. So I'm like, I did okay. Um, I obviously would have liked to make a little bit more money off yeah. of it, but well, yeah, cause you got that, you got the price of everything you put in. You didn't. That yeah, doesn't account for the actual. That doesn't actually account for the motorcycle, <laughs> you know. No, it does. That was bike and all. Okay. Yeah, because I paid like fifteen or seventeen or something for it. Oh, okay, cool. So, and that was like registration. Yeah, I know. everything I was in. I want to say it was close to like twenty eight. I didn't really like keep that good of tracks. I didn't really care, but um, so I was definitely under three grand though. That's good. So, and then I sold it for thirty three after riding it. Um, the dude that bought it was stoked. He's going to commute on it. He had a Ducati. Um, if I had to guess before he went to jail, <laughs> he was like living in a hotel and, oh, he, yeah. and he had no wheels. Yeah. And, uh, I told him I'd throw in a helmet. I had an old icon helmet that, um, like some of the rubber stuff was kind of coming off. I'm like, it's not the best. I'm like, it's a rad carbon icon helmet. I'm going to miss it, but it was plenty used. Like I bought it way, way before I was sponsored by icon. I bought the thing a long time ago and wore it a lot. <clears throat> so... Yeah, so he got that and the bike. He's super pumped. Uh, I told him I forgot to write a price on the title. I was like, do you just put 500 bucks? Because that's what everyone does because the government takes enough of your money. Yeah, I know. There's, I read somewhere that there's going to be some new thing where they don't account for the value of the bike anymore because people do that. People will put like or – they, or they scrutinize it more where they look at it and go, yeah, you bought that for $200. You know what I'm saying? I just always go, well, if they even ask, which no one really has, I just go, oh, it wasn't running when I got it. Yeah. That bike you may – I mean you can't, and like get, my, you can't get away with that on a newer bike. But that Yeah, bike no, 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 for sure. Maybe. You have to kind of assess. Yeah. Like a lot of the bikes that you pay 2500 three grand, whatever, you can put 500 bucks. Yeah. If you buy like a 2015 bagger, <laughs> don't put 500 bucks. <laughs> don't buy, don't but, even put um, 1000 Put like 5000 <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I can't complain about that. He was pumped. So yeah, I hit him up. I was like, "Hey, dude, just put five hundred. I'll put five hundred on the other side of the title." For those of you who don't live in California, um, you to cover your ass as the current the selling owner, you're supposed to send in a slip off the title that says who bought it, basically. So if they run a bunch of red lights and rack up tickets, they can't say it was on there before they got it. Um, things like that. So 
whatever. But that way, because the plates go with the bike in California. So since my registration is good until April, that guy doesn't really want to register it until April. Um, he doesn't have to pay for the plates, but he's got to pay the taxes. And the thing, this is what bums me out. And one of the reasons I would like to put $500 on a title, not totally fuck the government, but fuck the government because that bike has already had taxes paid on it more than once actually. And I'm pretty sure there's a line in one of the, official government documents it says you can't double tax yeah i'm sure but they double the every yeah every single time that it changes hands it gets taxed again so it just bums me out that i'm like no it had its tax paid right. like when it came over from italy and was sold to the dealership it got full tax paid and then when the second guy got it it got tax paid when the third guy got it, it got tax paid i don't know what number i was but it got the taxes paid again and again and again so that's a double triple quadruple so whatever. He can pay tax on 500 bucks. Yeah. At the same time, dude, please don't run any red lights. And <laughs> uh, he'll have to pay him. It won't come back to me. And then report it stolen. <laughs> so, I, yeah, or, or he whatever, can do whatever he wants. Whatever people do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the duck's gone. Did okay. It, it was a good bike for sure. Um, it just wasn't what I needed anymore. Yeah. So. So what did you need? I bought a salvage title. 2005 Honda RC 51. Wow. I know. I love it. I'm, I had one the first. So when I moved to California just over 10 years ago, I, um, when I, like, as soon as I decided I was going to stay or found out I was going to stay because my job decided I was good enough to stay. Um, my dad sold pole, pole dancing is a lot harder than it looks folks. Yeah. If you can't cut it pole dancing, you got to move back to Indiana. <laughs> um, so my dad sold my CBR 929 that I had. That was a great bike also. Um, and I went to the bank and I pulled out, I think I paid 35 or 38 for that. And I sold my 929 for just a touch less, but I had a couple hundred bucks saved up. And uh, I found one on eBay that didn't sell an RC51. It was an 01, I believe. Um, maybe it was a 2000. I think it was the first year of it. So I literally pulled cash out. I went to my boss at the time and I was like, Hey, I need to go buy a helmet. Is there any place I could go like get a deal on one working here? And he's like, what do you size do you wear? And I tried on a black small that was too tight. And then I had, he had this medium with these crazy snakes and shit all over it. And he gave me that. It <laughs> <laughs> was a good helmet, but, um, it was just crazy, but so I didn't have to buy a helmet. So I, um, uh, that Saturday I hopped on an airplane. So the, yeah, anyway, the RC 51 didn't sell. So he told me he'd sell it to me for the reserve, which might've been 35. Whoa. I did not mean to do that, but that was good timing. <laughs> That's what you should have did for your joke. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> and, uh, so I flew up to Sacramento and the dude picked me up at the airport. I'm like, I've been in California for like two weeks. He's like, the plates are expired. He's like, the registration's up. Well, Indiana works different. You don't keep the plates with it. And you just go like, hey, I just bought it. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, go register it when you get home. So I didn't fucking know any better. So um, anyway, I get on this bike with expired plates in Sacramento. And uh, he's like, you're going to ride home? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take PCH home. Because, you know, I lived in California for a week. I had no fucking clue how long it was. Still one of the best rides of my life. Um, well, it took me four hours to fly here. It can't be that far <laughs> to get back to L.A., right? Yeah, so. Or were you living in Orange County at the time? 
I flew out of LAX, but I was living in Orange County. Yeah, so that's so, even further than... Yeah. <laughs> um, it was like a fucking half an hour flight or something. Yeah, I know. I mean, I knew it was far, but I didn't know it was that far. Yeah, you didn't know you'd be riding like nine hours. Home. Well, and yeah, I got on the flight in the morning at like five or six in the morning. Like first flight out of the place. So, um, and of course I got... I don't remember. I don't think I really even had money for a hotel room. So you I probably, ha- you I probably could have. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going to ride the coast. Like I just moved to California. Like I've ridden long ways before. Like I'm going to ride the fucking coast. So I like leave Sacramento and I like, I don't even remember which way I went. And I kind of got out like you went north. south. No, no. <laughs> I got down like south of Monterey. Like I probably went through Santa Cruz a little bit. Like this was back um, when I had to have a map. Like I bought a fucking map of California. And I had like I may have had more states. Maybe I flipped to California, and I was like looking at maps. Yeah, because um, phones didn't do that back then. Yeah, yeah. And um, which was literally just ten years I ago. I know they've come um, so far, kids. Yeah, right. So yeah, and I'm like some of the best. Like I remember going through like some kind of redwoods, but it was south of Sacramento and Monterey. Not to go on a crazy tangent, but ten years ago, I don't even think they really took pictures, right? Like. My phone at the time well, I mean, they did, but did, but it was crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it a flip phone? No. Yeah. I had this little red thing, and it was super tiny and like super thin. But they weren't – smartphones like weren't that smart 10 years ago. The iPhone 1 had just came out yeah. like a few months or a year yeah. before that, and it wasn't near what yeah. – you And, and you it, it hadn't get, caught on either. I was going to say you couldn't get the weather. You couldn't get your maps on there. You couldn't get anything, right? I mean it was like – Yeah, there was no like yeah. data. Yeah. You were texting. Yeah. And if you didn't have a good texting plan, it cost you 10 cents a piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I rode down, like hit the coast, rode forever, like stopped at some little restaurant, like just got home super late that night too. Um, You're all damn L- epic, California's yeah, epic. And then it wasn't a month later, probably not even that. Really, I was still here, and uh, the guy that I worked for had like it's a motorcycle company, so they got like tickets to the MotoGP at Laguna Seca. So then I rode the RC51 backup, <laughs> took like a Friday off, and he was like, "Yeah, that's cool." So and then um, I didn't really know this. Like I could get into the Red Bull tent by you saying, "You sound like Roland Sands when you talk like that." When I talk like what? When you say that. What? Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe. There might be a good reason why that impression sounded like that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, like I didn't really know this till I got there. Like I could get in the Red Bull tent by going, hey, this guy's my boss. And they're like, okay, yeah, come in. But I couldn't get into the race. So, like we, I remember going like Saturday morning um, like when I first like went to roll in the track and – uh my buddy, I ride there with a guy that I worked with, right? And he, like, just rides through the gate. And I'm, like, and they're, like, trying to get us to stop to see our pass. So I stop. And they're, like, where's your pass? And I was, like, oh, dude, I'm going to. And they're, like, you need a fucking ticket? And I was, like, oh. So I, like, turned around and I rode down the street. Yo, California is so weird. Yeah. And then I turned back around and uh, there was, like, a, a group of motorcycles. So I went in with them and they all, like, started to stop to show their pass. And I just, like, you, I, like reached my hand in my jacket and pulled on my shirt like I was pulling a, uh, a lanyard out and then just kept riding. And then yeah. I got in and my buddy was like, yeah, dude. He's like, we don't have passes for that. He goes, you just ride in like you know what you're doing. Yeah. He's like, they're not going to physically stop you. And he goes, once you get here, you're good. So <laughs> That's how California works, everybody. Yeah. Unless, unless you're at the border this weekend. <laughs> and then luckily I had 
some cash because on the ride home, my bank shut my debit card off. And they're oh. like, they're like, oh, we saw it like take off up the coast. And I was like, yeah, I remember when I was in here last week and we were, I was talking about I'm going to Monterey. And they were like, oh. We thought you meant Monterey Mexican yeah. food. <laughs> and I was like, well, whatever. So anyway, I survived. But um, Yeah, back then you didn't have a cell phone app to uh, – contact your bank <laughs> still if they like shut it off now they just don't care that bank anyway yeah now they're just like yeah hey, we'll just like not pay those because we know yeah but yeah man so that's quite an interesting uh but i love sold that bike a few years later yeah and uh you've been nostalgic for it ever since i always have like that bike like yeah. it's i think for my generation i'm 35 um that was the bike that Nikki Hayden got famous on. Mm-hmm. That was the bike that Colin Edwards got famous on. You know, I mean, Nikki for our age group, he was the youngest guy to ever win AMA. Um, and then go to GP and actually win a championship and be so competitive and win. And he was just like that face and that person. And two, I don't, I don't want to say like everyone, but at least for myself, um, you know, when I was in my early twenties and before that, even like sport bikes were what like everyone wanted, like crotch rockets were fucking cool. Right. Like I wanted to race motorcycles like that, you know, um, even though I never did, but, um, so yeah, I mean, those were the bikes that we saw, you know, we were stunting before that, um, shout out to a Patreon subscriber, Corey, another Terra hater. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I don't know, like we were just into sport bikes and then you see like Nikki and, um, at the time I wasn't even as fascinated with the V twin. Like I thought the RCs were super cool, but that was it. I remember in, uh, my hometown, I had a chance to buy one and, um, I could have sold my 929. I remember riding it and it had a stock exhaust and stuff on it and it wasn't as like brutal as my 929. It was still fast as hell. But it just was down like 10 horse from a 929, right? Actually, maybe a little bit more because mine had a tune and an exhaust and that RC was bone, bone stock. But um, I don't know. So that was like that bike that for that era was rad. And then I think also like I've talked about on the show before, I think all modern sport bikes are fucking – I don't want to say all that new Beamer is kind of cool. But I think they're all fucking boring. They're all inline fours. There's nothing cool about them. Um and again, I don't want to say all because Ducati has a V4, and I love that. Norton has a V4, yeah. The good, the good I, ones have V4s. We said modern sport bikes, not yeah, like Norton. The Norton V4 1000 is brand new. It's racing, yeah, but MotoGP next year, right? Is it obtainable for anyone if it's racing MotoGP? Is it racing GP or Super World Superbike? One of the one of the nine. It's still neither obtainable. It's half of a dozen. Nor is it a proven other. reputation. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Uh, either way, so I don't know. Everyone's doing uh, the the big four are all doing inline fours. Yeah, and it's lame. And the RC was the last time. The RC fifty one was the last time that, to me, especially Honda, growing up around Honda so much that they did anything cool. Yeah, um, out of a modern performance bike. Yeah, you know, bike. when I worked at the body shop, I got out of motorcycles when I was a kid, and I got into cars and. And uh, I wanted to go race cars and do all that stuff. And when I worked at the body shop, uh, there was a guy, all my bosses rode vintage motocross and vintage trials. So they had a ton of Makos and Bull Tacos and KTMs before they were street bikes. Like I remember going to the KTM 
distribution center in, in San Diego, and it was just all dirt bike, no street. Yeah. And they didn't make street bikes yet. And going, oh, KTMs are awesome, you know, and, and like all these. And the one guy that didn't ride dirt at the shop what was a uh, he did like club racing or something and he just went out and sold his whatever he had a fire blade or something and picked up an rc51 the first i'm guessing it was the first year because that's uh the last year i worked at that shop was 2001 and he already had it so i'm guessing it was a 2000 maybe it was a 2001 but he's the guy that used to go you'd walk into the bathroom and he had not only plastered his boogers all over the wall but he plastered right uh whatever that there's a british sport maybe it's called sport rider and it's a british mag so they have naked topless women in it you know and so they'd have a topless chick posing all bad teeth but nice you know everything <laughs> everything else and they would be all over the uh the bathroom the in bathroom there stall. and i was like oh ducati oh what's a buell oh what's this and that because when i was a kid all i did was race dirt bikes or you know not race but ride dirt bikes and then at the shop everybody rode dirt bikes yeah. and this guy was like hey look at the you know here's something cool and i'm going dude what's a you know what's a um firebolt and i'm looking at the buells and i that's where i like fell in love with buell and he when he got that rc i was like wow this thing is so rad looking and of all the like late 90s and 2000s bikes some of them have just not aged well but yeah i gotta say when you rode that thing over tonight i was like man those things still look good they still yeah there's a couple like small things like the the tail's a little wide i like it um but the and the they look amazing with high pipes but i think the headlight and the little front scoop looks great the yep. fairings all look good they also uh they're one of the few bikes that i think still looks good with like a double bubble or like a the real tall windscreen which I'm, I'm stoked. Mine has a tall windscreen, but it's not clear. And since I'm doing the track, I want to be able to fucking yeah, see through it. Yeah. But um, you have to punch it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you're right. Like they have aged well. And I remember like my 929, not as good. Yeah, you know. And the one of the things with the 929 and the RC was actually the same way. It didn't have LED taillights. Where the 954 went LED taillights. I think that helped them age a little bit. But I even I don't know. I feel like the 954 didn't age that well either. Um, I think the Jigsers starting in 03 when they did a major redesign, I think they aged well because they haven't really done a major redesign since 03. Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, I I mean, you're right. I I think that's right. They definitely, I think they aged a little well. Um, It looks great. I mean, and the, and the dual pipes coming off the side, usually on sport bikes, unless it's like an Italian, there's only one coming off. Some of the new Jigser thousands run duels and I'm like, all the other four cylinders run one. Yeah. Actually, one of the coolest exhausts I ever saw for one, um, and I didn't buy it at the time, Arrow makes a f- two-into-one left-side exhaust. Oh, wow. Because all the sport bikes come out the right, right? right? Yeah. Every single... Yeah, every one comes out the right. So it was... Pamela comes out the right. She's a sport bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. So... Um, but it was like so cool that it was a two into one. It was a nice two into one. Like Arrow makes good stuff, and then but it was a left side. I wonder why most of them do come out the right. Do you think it's a kickstand thing? Do you think it's a probably side saddle thing? Like in some most countries, women ride side saddle facing on the left side, and so you, you get on the bike on the left. Yeah. So most of your interaction, I get on both sides. I love when people are like you shouldn't get on the bike on the right side, before especially I, my Dinas. It's so lo- like, it's so low. It's yeah. easy. Before I make an ass of myself, I don't mean that most women get on bikes side saddle. 
I'm just stating that in some countries they do. They do ride side saddle. saddle for sure. Um, Every bike that's sold in India, as a matter of fact, has to have a sari guard. Not sorry, like I'm sorry, but S A R E E, which is guards that come down both sides so that fucking neck. Uh, things don't get caught yeah, in the wheel and most it's mostly in india but in other countries too yeah they women wear specific garments and yeah if that gets caught in the wheel your head's coming off so, yeah yeah I, it's fun looking at the harley davidson international <laughs> uh, parts catalogs and just going oh like the <laughs> sportsters and everything has to have these like funny little sorry guards yeah. and like yeah it's funny what they that have is to funny have. but so I didn't mean to say that women had to sit sides out, but I wonder if that's why. I wonder if that's why a lot of stuff comes out the right side. I bet most of it's the kickstand, and then yeah. because of the kickstand, you're supposed to get on a motorcycle on the left side. Yeah. Right? Um, so I bet that's a lot of the reason it's on the right. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of my favorite exhausts was the Joey Mac uh, JM250 two-stroke, and it had a – the header came out and at the expansion chamber it hit straight it's up straight and then up. it had like one of those like little tractor valves. flaps. It had a tractor flap on the top. It was so rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what I got. I'm gonna go to a Brady Walker Ramming Speed Racing Classic Track Day. Dirty talk of Brady Walker. Yeah, oh. December 9th. So I hope, I'm I hope like, to see you there. I might ride Spamela up and then go on the track if he lets me. Why wouldn't you just ride up with me? Well, maybe I'll ride. You up should with take you. the VFR. I don't. I don't know why you're so excited about taking Spamla everywhere when you have Dude, a nice VFR sitting here. Because I don't have anything to prove on the VFR. Like it's totally capable and it will do it, and it's not mine. Spamla, on the other hand, could you imagine if I hey. ripped past twelve Ducatis on that thing? Like they would just. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, so, like, with the... I got to wait till they're, like... Since you don't have full leathers, you're only going to be able to go out for... Um, this is something really cool that Brady's doing, by the way. So, if anyone is around Willow Springs and they want to get on a track, but they don't have full leathers or they're skeptical or whatever, go out to one of Brady's days. And I want to say it's 20 bucks. Don't hold me to that. Don't be like, Wicked said it was 20 bucks. Although knowing Brady, he'd probably be like, all right, you that, heard it. You heard it on creative writing. I'll take 20 bucks. I heard on the shred show that it was 20 bucks okay, last good. time he did it. So you can take, I want to say it was three laps. Yep. That's what they said. Um, and there is a control rider to keep you pretty slow, but it's not like, yeah, you're right. Spamela would be dude. Yeah. <laughs> Spamela might break 80 on the downhill. Dude, I know. Listen to this. I'm so short. I could just take a woman's leather purse and knock some holes for my feet to come out <laughs> and I'm good to go. Just zip it up. I mean, that's leather, you know, like I would, it would fit. So yeah. And you can do, I think three laps around Willow Springs for 20 bucks. I'm so it. it, it's super, and you don't need full gear. You need, I believe a jacket and it can be mesh. It doesn't have to be leather. I don't believe they said. They said if you're if you're freeway legal, if you're good to go on the freeway, then you're good. You can go I to mean, the freeway in a t-shirt. Well, come on now. Let's be responsible. <laughs> well, you didn't say responsible. That's true. You That's said true. legal. That's true. Yeah. No happy helmets. No tank tops. Yeah. No I rode over flops. here in a full jacket, Wiggins. a riding oh, I jacket. You're going to say those flip flops that you have on. No. I was going to say no. I even wore riding boots. I know. I never go after my accident. I never go anywhere without riding boots because it's not <sighs> me. I have to worry about. I do all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't want to scuff my vans up. You're um, asking for it. My broken homes are perfect fucking riding yeah. boots. These are some Icon Patchoulis. No. No, they're, they're not patrols. <laughs> no, they're patchoulis. They're Icon something, and they have a fucking quick um, yeah, like like, twist thing to tighten them up. 
and they're super comfy. I actually wore them. I rode in them to work and wore them all day at work. I never even changed. So that's the best part. That's why I got those TCX ones that I have. <laughs> a comfy pair of shoes. Shoe I've had a lot of like riding shoe boots that suck. Yeah, oh yeah. This is probably the first pair that I have hiccups that are awesome. Like I've had some that are good and that are good for riding, but these are awesome. So yeah. shout out to Icon for those. I'm going to yeah. order another pair because I just got my contract signed. Yeah. I just, um, cause I just ordered two light shoes so I could walk around here all day clinking and clanking. <laughs> you only need one, one for the right. Yeah. Be like I'm doing yeah. TTs. Yeah. yeah. Um, do they wear two on the? Do they wear one on the right for TTs? No, think? I thought they didn't wear any for TTs, but they do. They wear the left one still. Yeah, that's why there's only one usually quick right hander. Yeah, and then all the sweepers are left, so they can still put their foot out for the left. I, I read that Gary Kinzer is that the guy who owns Light Shoe? Kinzer or Kinsler? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it's Kinsler. Uh, made a left and a right for somebody that was a stunt man because he was like sliding both sides, and I was like, man, that would be so hard to like keep your feet on the pegs on, you know on the rubber they do pretty well and again all the guys are wearing lefts for the tts over the jump so oh, that's true my secret for hooligan is um this is like one of my tip top race um setup tricks so if the bama boys are listening i run stock harley davidson foot pegs because they have those ribbed rubber ones and and no if, one else makes them as good. Those Bates ones, they come apart. The um, Biltwell had some. They come apart. Like, Listen, if the Bama boys are listening to, he also doesn't run any oil in his motor. <laughs> he drains it mostly almost all the way out except for maybe about a tablespoon right before the start. Yeah, and then, uh, that way it's lighter. Lighter. It yeah. spends, we, we talked about fluid and, weight Yeah, last I time. run Marvel Mystery Oil too, so it's real thin. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> and he lets a lot of pressure out of his Like t- He only runs about two pounds of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's um, that's the secret. Stop tip. But um, so are you gonna wear your on shoe the left? On? I actually cut it short. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, are, are you gonna run your shoe on uh, the track on the ninth with your new? Uh, I'd RC have to 51? run. A, I'd have to run a right side shoe. Oh, it's it's man. a very right heavy track. We'll get we'll there's get like Kinsler two left handers. Yeah, we'll get Kinsler right on it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super stoked, and I have to say, I I'm proud of you, and and I think the nice I I like the wider. Rear bodies, just because, like with like you know the trend on new bikes, like to have a two by four coming out of your ass, it just looks dumb, and I don't think it's as good for the air. You know? I like if the have- um, my favorite tail is like the, and I'd have to look at the new ones; they're pretty well just as good. But like the 08 CBR one thousand oh eight up, like when they change from the undertail exhaust. The Undertale exhaust to me was like it was too pointed on the sides yeah. and they had those vents in them for the Undertale. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was like – I guess it was super cool. But again, I feel like it's not as uh, – hasn't aged as well. Yeah. And in 08, they did a major redesign and did the underbody exhaust. So it was real short. Um, so that tail section looks good. And I've seen them on RC51s and yeah. they look good. But ideally, I'd like to do an exhaust with an Undertale and one not Undertale like GP style. For an RC, is it the uh, is it the R one? But I never will. Is it the R one M or the H two R that has, or the C three PO or R two D two that has the vents? I think maybe they both have vents right where your hips would end out here on the side to pull air through the seat to act as like a diffuser in the rear. It's so uh, I, I might be the R one M. The R one M has some like 
like yeah like behind your yeah. hips and i think it's like it, almost a wing looking yeah thing. yeah, yeah. Weird. not I, even the m it's just the new r1 okay and, I, and yeah, even the yeah, regular I model think has the, it yeah, yeah i think the whole tail sections are the same on this and i think the s1000rr had something like that with vents if i remember correctly yeah. they, like they, they're doing the rear bodies on these things to act like a spoiler sort of kind of and well they, the new um v4 ducati has spoilers right yeah. like the gp bikes and i want to say the h2r with all the wings it all over too. it, yeah, it yeah, for yeah. sure has some on the t- back tail there but the but the thing about yours if you look at an old suzuki like tl 1000 it had a big kind of like busa looking hump on it and, and i yeah. think what it does is and it, remember the jigsaw shrad or whatever s-h-r-a-d or something s-r i don't know uh, it had like that huge hump on the passenger, like where the passenger seat was. If you would cover the seat or whatever, it was huge. It was like a foot tall. It was. I thought it was so cool the first time I saw it when I was like fifteen. Yeah, and then later I was like, that is gross. Yeah, I kind of look at TL one thousands now, and I'm like, yeah, Suzuki. Yeah, you one know? thing cool too, the TLR one thousand. You mean that's comparable to the RC, right? Yeah, the TL. I think it was just the TL. It was just over. They made a TL that was like a bikini fairing, like just the upper fairing. No, it must not be a, full a TLR fairing. then. Yeah, that I'm thinking. Yeah, of. the full, full fairing. They made a TLR. It looked. Like it was a just GP bike. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a good bike. It, um, it was just so overshadowed by the RC51. Yeah, and yeah, they had like and they year. had a Jigsaw 750, where Honda didn't really have a, a competitive bike to its RC for racing. Yeah. Um, even though it did have the 929 and 954, like for racing, it didn't. Where Suzuki had a thousand, had a 750, and then had the twin. <clears throat> those but, nine, you know what? Those 929s too were. You had one 929. It did. Those were. It's so amazing that they were just like one of those bikes that even like guys in England talk about them. I mean, I don't know if that's what they called the Fireblade. I, I mean, I think well, they call the CBR anything. Yeah, yeah. The they call it a Fireblade. But the 929s, I've heard a lot of people over uh, across the pond talk about them. Just what an iconic bike that was. That for they only made reason. for two years. Yeah, well, that's what happens sometimes. It, it was a really good bike. You know, I think the 900 towards the end was getting a little outdated. Like a 93 when it came out, it was rad. Uh, my first bike was a 95 900RR. Um and then uh, that actually got stolen. And then when I got my insurance. Until you went behind the barn and your dad's like riding it out there. You're all, dad, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> no. Um, I was bummed. Like even though I ended up getting a 929, so I ended up getting a nicer bike. Like I had put a lot of time and stuff into that. You mean in Terre Haute somebody took that from a poor oh, yeah. 18-year-old boy? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Um Corey knows you. Corey helped a lot with it too. Like we We're even stealing um, it, getting the insurance. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the only bike I really thought about doing that to is the Dyna, and I don't have the heart, <laughs> dude. God. It's worth more in insurance than it is to sell it. Yeah, but I just don't have the heart, man. I can't do it. Um, speaking of, <laughs> that's my, my Dyna sound. Speaking of the RC fifty one and a two by four, I forgot that um, they ride. Just like a two by four would, like yeah. the suspension is super um, blocky. I, which, when I go to the track day, it'll be amazing. But riding over here, I was just like, "Fuck, this thing is rough, dude." Yeah, yeah. Let, tell me, since we're going to be doing a suspension challenge later, tell me about the. Uh, it's the just suspension on it. It's a little better than what the CBRs at the time had. Like, it's got it has little reservoirs on the front forks, which is weird. I think it's the only bike that really had those. But I've got adjustment tops and bottoms for the forks, and then it's got dampening rebound on the rear shock too. It's just 
better than yeah. It looks like it's CBR got an incredible amount of adjustment on that thing. It does quite a bit. It was a good bike. I mean, anytime Honda puts the letters RC, it's going to be a good bike. And the cool thing, and yeah, that's the cool thing about the RC fifty one. It was kind of the first affordable RC. Like I think the first production RC was the RC thirty, which was a V four. Because the AMA rules at the time, this is like late 80s. So if you there was a Jigsaw 750R that had this, it was kind of the same. So AMA said, uh, or World Superbike, I think is actually where all the rules kind of come from. Yeah, but it like trick- FIM. Like we always hear about AMA rules, but I think they trickle down from World because it's all the same thing. Um, but they said, okay, the bikes have to be production. The motors have to be production. So Suzuki, I know, and Honda, I know, they did like titanium valves, maybe tie rods. I don't know. I know they did like titanium valves, which by the way now is super common. Yeah. I was Everything gonna say a lot of top end sport bikes has, yeah. But not then. Like they were they probably you know, they were just getting like stainless valves in the late eighties. So um Dude, Spamala has uh, iron valves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're made from rocks. Um, so it was just like these crazy – so they did a GSX-R 750R that was the like race one. And they had to make so many, I think like 500. So they only made 500 like RC30s. And then after that bike, they replaced it with the RC45, which was another V4. And it's like that's a bike like – again, I don't know what they cost – in their day new they're super pricey now but they weren't like the rc51 was i think two grand more than the 929 it was like 10 something for a 929 new and like 12 for an rc51 so it wasn't that much more but i also feel like it wasn't as special as an rc30 especially and even an rc45 i think the rc45 was a little more trick and the rc51 because the rules for racing were lax they didn't have to do be as production that they weren't as um they just weren't that much nicer i guess and again the materials and everything got better so it was like you know, it's not like it was a big deal to have stainless headers or something. Yeah. And the RC, it makes you wonder how they got from RC40, right? RC40, was there a 45? They never had a 40. RC30 and then RC45. So, so this the, was a topic I was going to cover on the show when we wanted to the, talk about the history. Gap, the gap between the RC45 to the RC213, that's no. a lot of numbers there. Right, right. So... And it was super confusing, and I'm not even sure my source was that good because it was Wikipedia. But think, like, in the 60s, they had the RC-160 and the RC-230 like 230 or something. I think the 160 – no, 166 was the inline six-cylinder, right? So you're already at RC-166. So the numbers mean something, but it had to do with displacement and um, number of cylinders. But I don't know where the RC-51 came from because there's no two in it, but it was a twin-cylinder. But I think the RC-166, I think the last six might have been because it was a six-cylinder. So anyway, I was going to look it up, right, And like because we wanted to do some more history. And I did kind of look it up, and I was just like, holy fuck, this makes no sense. Yeah, I've, But I've the actually- letters RC, I don't actually know what they stand for, racing something, obviously. Yeah. But I believe you have HRC, right, Honda Racing. It's not corporation. Yeah, it's, it's company. It's Honda Racing Company. Is no, it? yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's Honda Racing. You Co. sure it's company? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Honda Racing. 
yeah, corporation? Yeah, I, I, no, I knew what it was. It's I, so I don't funny. remember what the C is. I knew too, and I, I totally forget. It's COM at the end, I think. I think I it's think Honda it Racing Company. But, um, but HRC is like their... Honda Racing Construction? <sighs> Something like that. Yeah, it's HRC is basically their Mazda Speed or their AMG or their SVT, right? Yeah. It's like for the bikes anyway. I guess you have Mugen, but that's for the cars. Yeah, yeah. Even though they have the Mugen electric bikes now. Um, or yeah, Spoon. because his kid... It, that that's a whole other topic. We can go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, but anyway, HRC is like the bikes. Like even for I think motocross and stuff, right? The factory works bikes or HRC. Uh, you know what? They actually maybe or just they, for street bikes. They were or pavement a, bikes. HRC, uh, but Honda has pulled out a dirt bike racing for the longest time. That I don't even re- remember the last time they had an HRC bike. I think it was like right before Caselli actually passed away. So it's been a few. Well, what was Roxon was riding a Honda? Who was that though? I mean. It was well. I think they all did say HRC on them. Okay, but they anyway, that, so HRC rad, is uh, like the racing side. Yeah. So I think the RC is the same words, racing something. Yeah. Supposedly CRF for the dirt bike stands for competition racing, and then F for four strokes. I think so. But but who knows? But the difference is you have CBR, and then you have the RCs, and the, the RCs butt ramming. <laughs> uh. What was CB? It's the same as the CB750, and yeah. then they just put the R on it later. Like the GSX Suzuki, and then they had the GSX-R. Yeah. Um, R, obviously, I think was always race. But um, anyway, RC, like even back in the 60s, all the race bikes, all the little – the few two-strokes they did, but all the crazy-ass four-strokes that Mike Halewood rode and stuff, those were all RC and a number. So the RC51, even though it wasn't the first production RC, it was the first, like, affordable production RC. Yeah. So it's still, like, it kind of means something. And it actually has another designation. One, they had SP1 and SP2. Um, and, and they th- still do that. <clears throat> they do for the CBRs now, too, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they had... Um, like, this thing, and on the, the, the VFR on the chassis says RC36. So it must be... Ha- it must does it on the chassis? Mm-hmm. Huh. So I've never heard him call an RC36, though. Yeah, I've seen RC36 written places, but I've never... It's always like when you're referring to that. It might mean racing chassis, blah, blah, but even though this isn't a racing chassis, I don't know what RC... Well, it's I'll funny, because, like, out. in the 80s, the VFR was the race bike. Yeah. Like, before the RC30... You know, the VFR 750 and stuff in yeah. the early 80s, that that was the yeah, racer. Actually, yeah, you're right. So probably, actually, probably until the RC30. Um, and then they went, the VFR turned into a sport touring. Um, but yeah, it, I wanted, I looked some of that up and I was just like, holy yeah. crazy rabbit hole. You can never believe the internet. Yeah. And then it's also, so they have a VTR, which I believe was the Superhawk. And I actually saw some body work because there's a lot of Chinese body work. Like they got the Castrol paint job that uh, Colin Edwards rode. They've got um, a Repsol one, whatever. It's like 410 bucks shipped and I'm sure they make them for everything. <laughs> it's like Chinese plastic and I think you even have to drill your own holes. Nice. But well, it's not – I mean for $400, if yeah. you crash it, it's pretty good. It'll line up to your chassis if it's bent a little bit. Too, yeah, right. If you drill your own holes. Um, <laughs> But one of them said VTR, and even someone said when I got one, they're like, oh, VTR. And I was like, no, it's an RVT, um, which I believe VTR would be V-twin racer maybe. Maybe. And then RVT was race V-twin. But Yeah, the Honda VTR 1000F was a 90-degree V-twin. Is that Superhawk, though? Produced from 97 to 2005, known worldwide as the fire, Firestorm. In the USA, it was marketed as the Superhawk. 
Okay. Fire Storm, and then they had a Fire Blade. Okay. The Superhawks are actually super rad. I wouldn't mind one of those, but honestly, the price is better on the RC than the fucking... Yeah. Because a yeah. lot of Superhawk people were older than, you know, the 20-year-olds or whatever buying RC51s. So what's the difference between VTR and RVT? Uh, I think race V-twin and V-twin race. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's not race because I think the VTR is the Superhawk, right? So, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because they also had the Honda Hawk, and then the old Super Hawk was yeah. like a 50 or a 125. Uh, the, C- the original, original. CB160 was a Super Hawk, and it was a 125 or – yeah, It was a 160. Or a 160, yeah, you It was right, a parallel right. twin 160. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to have one in my garage, and I didn't know what I had while I had it. I also had a Mondial, and uh, what's the one with the little Greyhound on it, that Perea? I had I so many old vintage bikes. My grandpa's got some old vintage, but I don't think he actually has a Superhawk, nor does he have what was – they had a – not a Black Shadow. What was the one that was like a Superhawk that was like black that they had? From Honda? Yeah. And it was like a Black Knight – not a Black Knight. It was something weird Are like that. Are you thinking about the Super Blackbird? No, no, no. That's a CBR 1100. Yeah. No, like an old, like, 60s bike, like the Superhawk was. Huh. I thought they had a black one, too. Maybe it was just a version of that and people called it something. Yeah, maybe. The Black Knight, maybe. No, something more. Like, Hey, the listeners out there, take notes. Email them back to us because we're never going to mm-hmm. remember this. We're, but I'd like to I'd like to learn about some of the stuff we're talking about. <laughs> For sure. But, I could ask my grandpa. He wouldn't remember. Yeah. My dad might. He would know some of it, but... um. Yeah, so that's the RC51. I'm super excited. Nice. Well, well, I'm sure that we'll hear more about it after the 9th because uh, I was Hopefully like... they don't crash it. I was, was going to say, how do you buy something like that and then like just pwn chunguitas that you don't crash it? Um, You you buy one that's already been crashed. It has a salvage title. Like there... I'm so close to buying a second RC51 right now because there's a couple for like... There's one of dudes asking two grand. Because you don't have enough bikes. It's ugly as fuck. I was showing Turdman this earlier. It's like copper oh God, gold. It's awful. It's just had oh, some... Pe- it's like Vanilla Ice got it at the peak of his career when he was all cracked yeah, out on cocaine. It dude. was like, dude, bling this out for me 1997 style. Yeah. And they did. And yeah. They, Gross. Yeah, and then there's one that they painted like a Desmo Sedici. It's like all red with these white stripes that would look good, but it looks way, way, way too much Ducati. If you guys are listening to the show right now and these are your bikes, listen... Sell them to me for I have eight hundred dollars cash. You've already de- devalued them with those paint jobs. Yeah. Well, and I get so like mine's rough. Like it's got glass work, glass body work on it. Um, it does have. It's got full fiberglass, but it has the headlight cutouts. Um, and then, so, oh, but it's who let the dogs out? It's black. It's not <laughs> as devalued as some of the gross no, ones. No, yours actually looks good. Uh, Especially from 30 feet away, it looks real good. That's yeah. why it looked, that's why I thought it was way better before I went and looked at it. Yeah. That's but, how you, I mean, talking the guy down. Yeah, but that's just it. Like, bucks? I wanted a, a grand. Well, from his original asking, 1500 yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, money talks, dude. I had $100 bills, too. It's funny, my wife doesn't get it. Like, Did when, you do this? Like, make no, it I, did, I didn't do that. But, um, like, when I went to buy my Ducati, um, she... I went and got cash. She's like, I thought you were going to, she's, I got a check and I went to the bank and I wrote myself a check for like two grand. And she's like, uh, what, why, why did you go get, and I'm like, cause if I would have taken a checkbook, he would have been like two grand. 
I'm only taking two grand. I was like, but I had hundreds. And I was like, he wasn't letting those hundred dollar bills leave. Yeah. When you can see it, it has a profound effect yeah. on the psyche. Yeah, yeah. Uh Wiggins negotiating top tip. <laughs> yeah, there's another top tip. Um, yeah. So yeah, I that money money's talks from what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, but that's I mean, that's it. Like I don't and there's a lot of track bikes out there. No, honestly, you know, a CBR 600, CBR 1000, you're going to spend about the same, 2500 bucks for a capable track bike that's safe. Um, you know, I mean, you can get an SV650 for a little. The thing is, too, like, start looking at a running motorcycle, it's two grand. Yeah. Like, SV650s are two grand, but you can buy, it's ugly, but you can go buy a nice running, clean title RC51 for two grand. So, I mean, and honestly... I would have looked considered that one more if uh, I didn't think this one was cleaner before I went right. and looked at it. Yeah. So, but that's what I mean. When you're going to the track, there's always that risk, you know, for sure. You hope you don't tweak the frame and everything else is pretty well like replaceable. Because uh, I mean, if frame, swing arm, and wheels are good, you know, you might twist some forks up, but forks are a few hundred bucks, and then it's all the little add-on bits. And honestly. Everyone these days is Street Fighter in it. So, you know, I could strip it down into Street Fighter and body works three or four hundred bucks. Yeah. Like, the, it's I, definitely an expensive bike to high side for sure. But yeah. don't high side that. I want to really try not to. Yeah. But I also like I wanted something that was beat up a little bit because I wanted to take it to the track and I didn't want to worry about it. Yeah. I don't want to crash because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to ruin my day. I don't want to have to fix my bike. But like even my Ducati, you know, I was to the point and I probably could have got more money out of my Ducati parted out. We started looking it up, but I was like, ah, oh. but, um, you know, where it's like, even this RC, like say I'd really crash it bad. I can part it out and I can do probably a grand 1500 bucks out of it. Yeah. So, you know, it's not amazing, but you know, if you're going out doing that stuff, that's, yeah. that's part of like you pay to play, you know? You know, every time I used to watch the Dukes of Hazard as a little kid, and they'd crash one of those beautiful chargers. You're like, I can't believe they do that all in the same charger. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I just saw his his quarter panel buckle and his fender and his hood come up on that one, and the roof actually buckle. And they but fixed now, it like two now, minutes the, later. The next corner, it's fine. I couldn't believe how many of those cars they destroyed. And and this is back when they were a dime a dozen, and nobody wanted them. And emissions was like, oh, you, yeah. know, you couldn't even have a super or a muscle car in the eighties when this was being filmed because, you know, they were. When weren't they getting some stuff? I think from Dodge too. Even, oh, probably. Like, you know, and that's the thing I'll never get is people that when you you know but things it, like that they'll get one that's been wrecked on the right side and only shoot it from the uh, left. That's true. okay. Yeah, there you go. That's okay, you. we're gonna jump this one, but put the camera over on the left. Yeah. So, I. When I think of an RC51, and there's not that many left in the world, unmolested apparently either, uh, I really don't want you to crash that bike. Oh, for, you know, I'm I'm in the same boat, and I love that bike, and I know there's not a ton of them. And, it, you know, like I was showing you earlier, like, there's some really clean ones out there for fucking $9,500. What if I was um, all, what, <laughs> co-hosts are replaceable. Those are the ones are priceless. But good ones are hard to find. That's true. Just like a, an RC51. But I didn't want, like I said, I didn't want a good one. I wanted, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy it's a good one, um, but yeah. it's not a collector's show one. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to be able to ride it. You know, ideally, I'll, I won't crash it, and in 10 years, I'll still have it, and if I want to quit tracking it, I'll get a decent set of glass for it and, and, and 
paint it all black or something. You yeah. know, just cleaner. Yeah, it does. I like it all black. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to field producer Bry Viffer, and I want to say you need to sell Turdman this bike. <laughs> just tell him he already bought it and he owes you money, <laughs> and don't let him say no. You can have it back. Be like, dude, you've had it too long. It's yours. You owe me some money. I can hear the playoffs coming. It's me getting a VFR for probably twenty five hundred bucks. <laughs> hey, whatever you said, a running bike is worth. Um, it's a little rougher than my RC, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice looks wise. I mean, and honestly, my RC, I think, is the same. It feels pretty solid, and everything looked pretty solid. Um, I didn't tell everyone how I. Yeah, I did. I say five hundred bucks, or was that in the previous? No, yeah, you did. Okay. Uh, hey, I was gonna say, um, I just listened to the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast this week. I, you know, we, I think Wiggins and I have said before we kind of quit listening to motorcycle podcasts altogether. And uh, I listened to that one, and they made a good argument for, for me, why you need a, uh, why I, kind of still am okay with smaller bikes. And bigger bikes, and you and I have talked about it. Your potential. I, I ride this thing like an asshole. Ride it for yeah, bike. I have on the RC today yeah. too. I ride it like an asshole, and on Spamula, I respect everyone because I want. I don't want to <laughs> die. <laughs> you can't run away from them. You can't run away from them. Yeah, and you, uh, even though I can fit smaller places too, dude. When when this thing is next to that, I just can't like, believe you ride to Vegas. On oh, it. dude, that thing is so. Is fun. that what you rode to the Aim Show, or did you ride the VFR? Uh, I rode the VFR to it. Okay, to good. The Aim Show, but and I was just when you said you were going to ride to Willow on it, I'm like, no, dude, ride the VFR, <laughs> dude. No, dude, Spamula. I'm going to do it. Spamula is uh, good for you to ride to work. Oh God, yeah, that's true. Well, hey, uh, speaking of which, you can fire it up, drive it out of your driveway, turn around, turn and come around back and come in. right back in. And uh, yeah, I was gonna say I I got some news also this week. I've been buying things left and right, mostly for the podcast. But I did. I ha- I'm just now getting around to ordering a fucking battery. Since uh, oops, sorry, little kid. I'm getting around. <laughs> I know. I already. I yeah. I'm getting. Uh, I just now getting around to ordering a battery for this thing and uh i it's been what september 30th was the the gentleman's ride and so i don't even know what i did in the whole month of october i mean i was busy with soccer and what are you gonna are you gonna ride that or the vfr for run to the roses oh that okay yeah spamla is more fun do you think if i i have a good bicycle headlight um do you think if i get a bicycle taillight and i mount that and my license plate to the back of my sportster I'll get away with it? Probably. Now, here's the other thing. I was going to ask you what type of connector you had. You said like an RC battery plug, right? No, no, no. I said we could put one okay. in. I don't have any plug. Okay. because I've But oh, I've got to okay. have a hot wire. Like I, there's still going to be something where I was the gonna, wire started. I was going to make you a harness with O-rings that just would bolt onto the battery, whatever you have on the battery now. I have a big oh, blue plug. Right. Yeah, yeah. I have a big fancy plug. I mean, we could do thing. it. We could basically do that on where it goes to the starter and then ground one. Yeah, but there's okay. got to be a hot wire after the starter somewhere. Yeah, still. That's I thought your maybe battery had, but your battery just has a plug. Okay. And I need to run. I'm gonna have to switch gas tanks back. Or you'll never make it up to the. You'll you'll barely make it to the gas tank at the bottom of Angeles Crest. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could make. I don't think I could fill up at the bottom, go to the restaurant, and all the way back. Do, I'm gonna have to push you on Spamlo by all. No, hang. I'm gonna put my other tank. On. Okay. 
I, so I was going to say, I, I could push tank. you to that one downhill because then it's just downhill all the way. Um, but, and uh, I have a front brake I'm going to try and mount on. Rad. I'm going to have to get on my shit and do that. Because I was totally going to wire, do like solder the, a bridge. The RC would be fun, but again, I'd want to be like, okay, this, we'd, hit the bo- we'd hit the bottom and as long as it wasn't icy, I'd be like, see you guys later. Yeah, yeah. Where the Where if I ride trusty, like flat track tires sketch me the fuck out <laughs> it would look uh, trusty would fit in and get i think so i'm gonna have to figure out a kickstand too yeah oh yeah shit that's right that's the other thing you saw how many people talk about spamala like oh dude other- if i rode trusty there with like you gold get, wheels yeah, and yeah. flat track tires you get a lot more comments than when you ride regular sport bikes people you're unnoticed you know well a beat up rc would be a slightly noticed that's yeah. the kind of the fun thing about an rc too but i think uh I think trusty be a good one. And I got plates for her. Why not? I got, I'm telling you, I got connectors. I got wire. I was going to actually solder you a little bridge just so that you could just put it to the batteries and it would run out to two hots and, and it, like you just run it off the battery, you know? You know what? Maybe um, I can bring it over this weekend and. Uh, here, I have a, I have a headlight for you right here. No, I have a, I have an LED light bar too. Okay. I, I got, we're going to have to find a plug. I know where to get one, but it's in Orange County and I don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so we might have to. That electronic Amazon. store right here in uh, Arcadia or whatever it is. I, I had to get one. I went to a crazy electronic store and they didn't have it. I went to an off-road truck store and they had it. Okay. Um. Yeah, but I don't have that plug we're anymore. We're going to have to, yeah, we'll have to figure out. So. Figure out. But yeah, let's do it. I want, I totally am down to wire. I want to do. We're going to have to figure out something to do with the VFR for a little bit. Yeah. But, um, so I finally got a battery coming for spam. Like, here's my worst night. My worst fear is that I plug it in. Now this thing, this battery, I was throwing a little piezo on it and it was going off and it's testing at 10 volts and it's bugging me that the headlight doesn't come on with 10 volts showing, but the piezo 10 volts is low though. I know it's low, but shouldn't the headlight still illuminate? Here's the thing. When I turn the, the thing g- with volts is. Like amps is what really runs the headlight, right? Like 10 volts should, 10 yeah. volts kind of, I don't know how to explain this and I'm not the best with electricity. So someone listening is going to be like, you're an idiot. 10 volts kind of like activates everything, but amps are what run everything. Yeah. And you know what? When I w- learned about electricity, it was all explained to me like a garden hose. Volts is the amount, the pressure, the water pressure and the amount that you can go through the hose. You know what I'm saying? It, it all, they. Now, amps would be your pressure then, right? See, I've, it's been like so long. Volts would be like the, potential. the diameter of the hose, yeah. But yeah. so here's the thing: when I turn on the switch, it drops to zero. So it could just be the battery. And when I was looking at the piezo, it's only a six volt. So I was like, well, of course this thing's going off because when I put a twelve volt light on it, it won't illuminate. So I was like, well, maybe it it isn't. So when I throw this battery in there, if Spamala doesn't light up and kick and start up right away, uh, a I'm gonna drop a deuce on the floor. And throw it at the wall because I'm going to be really pissed. But B, I'm going to have to start troubleshooting everything else, starting at the yeah. ignition switch, going down to the coil, hopefully not the stator. But I'm crossing my fingers. Spamel has never let me down Well, the before. stator is your charging. So that shouldn't affect your headlight, but you could have a short somewhere or something uh, yeah, I'm, too. yeah, I'm just saying like maybe it's not getting through. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, at any rate, I got a new battery coming for Spamela. My kid, I don't know if I mentioned this, if, right? Like the the weekend after, or maybe it was that same weekend, my kid got on on the wrong side. <laughs> oh, yeah. It fell over, right? It fell over on my other kid and luckily just grazed his hip, but the the grip left a bruise all the way down his side. And when it hit the ground, it it's so funny because you were like, oh, what does this have cruise control? Like the next time mm-hmm. you came over, the throttle's sticking open. And I was like, that is so weird. And I figured out it's because the handlebar bent right at the throttle tube 
just you can't even see it with the <sighs> naked eye. And I scooted it out like one millimeter just you to see. You put like good moto bars on it. I know they're expensive. Um, oh, I got these cheap motherfuckers right here. Oh, okay. Go. So, good moto bars really won't bend that easy. Yeah. Those are the ones on it are Track Master, and these ones are uh, Bike Master. So. So downgrading from the track track I, quality to the bike quality. I got them both on Bike Bandit, so we'll see which Bike Bandit brand is. Uh, is oh, the good. difference is the crossbar. Well, yeah, your old one has a crossbar, your new one doesn't. Yeah, so <laughs> some pro tapers are surprisingly durable. Yeah. Oh, and I, I actually I think I have a pair of pro tapers out on the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Other one, but they're bent too, <laughs> a little bit. But this one was so funny. It just it was bent just enough right at the throttle tube. I scooted it out. I measured one millimeter, and it works fine. And I, and then I'm looking at it, going, "Damn!" And I scooted in, and it's so hard. Just a well, millimeter. a lot of times too, if it falls over on one side, it'll push it into yeah. the edge of the bar. Yeah, that too. So, yeah, just one millimeter. It's bent, and I looked, and I think I might have got my micrometer out to measure, and I was like, "Yep, it's like the slightest bit bent." A frog's butt hair bent. I don't want to use the other one because there's a little kid listening. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I got new bars. I got a new battery coming. Um, I farted and the seat blew off. So I'm going to make a new seat. I'm just kidding. It's sitting over there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to get Spamly going back up. Plus I also got, um, I used the patron money. The patrons pay for the show now. To so. buy a, the, the whole new battery and everything. <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, know. I, I bought it. I'm upgrading the equipment. I, I bought an upgrade for our computer. So that we can record straight to computer, hopefully without it doing that weird echo and without it seizing up and like yeah, you know, yeah, not yeah. being able to run eighteen tracks at once. It's getting so old that it's like, hey, all it needs is a little memory. Really, is what it needs. So I'm I got some new memory coming, um, and also old junkie was flipping through Netflix and I was like, what is this movie that I've watched part of? Unchained. So last night I finished it. I, well, I restarted the whole thing because it's been so long since I, I was like, oh yeah. Unchained, my friend. We were speaking of Twitch Stenberg the other oh, yeah, day, yeah, yeah. being you know one of the pioneers of motocross. Well, this is the. It's a documentary on Netflix right now. Well, it's been on Netflix for a while. It is a documentary about the very beginnings of freestyle motocross and how they went, like Jeff Emig and Jeremy McGrath. They're they're even talking about it. How the factories would be like oh, Japan would call over here and be like, oh. Like so and so didn't win this last race. What's his like? What's the condition? Why? And the, and I forget the old guy's name. He was like a team owner or something. He's like they didn't. They literally didn't care about you. They cared about the win, and it was all about the win. They didn't care who who you were and what your name yeah. was. You couldn't have tattoos. You couldn't have long hair. Yeah. And this is in the '90s when all that stuff is like going off, right? And, well, and honestly, like, and it's it's interesting because like. Tattoos in Japanese culture is a super oh, weird thing too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, think about it, like those dudes are were buying their bikes though. But I get it too, like calling up they wanted them to win. You know, that's I don't know. And that's kinda cool. I mean, to me, that's what made Honda great when Mr. Honda was alive, dude. Like it was about winning races. There's yeah. no fucking bean counters yeah. in the way. Like to me, that's why the C B R thousand is a boring fucking four cylinder. Yeah. And then it goes from that saying with a box of neutrals. <laughs> yeah, right. So it was going. It, it was talking about how how the motocross world was so 
prim and proper and cut and dry and everybody and it was jeremy mcgrath there was a picture of him like smiling and he's all clean cut and and then you see him now and he's like let him you know he's allowed to grow a beard now if he wants to and he's like allowed to get fat and back then you had to be like a poster boy for i don't know if he wasn't allowed to get fat he's just racing so much he was in shape yeah maybe that's true and uh so it shows how these guys were in their spare time doing totally illegal off the books shit like jumping and uh trying uh whips and, and taking their feet off the pegs yeah and then yeah it's a good documentary because it has a lot of the guys that you forget about it has like seth enslow who doesn't even well, he, he, do yeah. anything anymore but he was I, I remember when he like blew his head off almost he's been know? trying to get into hooligan racing but he hasn't found someone to give him a bike oh no came that's from funny that came from his literal neighbor oh really um that's funny because he runs like a harley shop or something somewhere. i don't know like he was just known because he would do like the biggest dumbest shit yeah he would he jump would just huck it yeah. and he had no skills to and then land he, it. he was like evil <laughs> yeah. evil kind of he really was like because that's kind of what evil did like he had no style he couldn't do any tricks he could just jump further yeah. than anyone he and actually, he was famous for going to glamis and hucking it and landing on everyone's bikes yeah like Jeremy oh, McGrath's yeah. brand new fucking bike sitting there, like factory bike, and he just lands on top of him. I think Jeff Emig was the guy who said it. He's like, that was the stupidest thing ever. Because he yeah, was there. Yeah. When, yeah. And he was like, that was the dumbest thing. But yeah, there was there was just videos of him. That and was crusty, some crusty demons of yeah, dirt, man. Yeah. Crusty three of him hitting all these hills and then sending it off that like dune down. And he, he drops yeah. like eight. 10 stories like yeah yeah and then there was one the one that i remember where he like blew his head well he didn't blow it off but he broke so many bones in his face that they had to cut his face off and peel it down and repair his skull and then put his face back oh, yeah. and they talk about it in the documentary he just jumped too far he cleared the landing ramp and i remember yeah that he landed jump. flat ground yep it was like a super long jump oh, too, God, like 200 true. feet or something and after that he's he's finally jumped 300 because evil knievel he looked up to evil knievel so that's why he was all just about the jumps and not about the landings but showed mike metzger it showed carrie uh carrie hart who i'm gonna go ahead and spoil it for you now and tell you my opinion that he was the very first guy to ever do a backflip on a motorcycle i believe he was metzger's called the granddaddy of the backflip right well because metzger pulled it carrie hart's the first one to ever do it but when he landed he landed a little bit sideways but he was but that's like saying evil knievel wasn't the first one to jump like just because he didn't land it he still jumped caesar's palace Uh, right i'm kind of old school where you gotta land it okay well then evil knievel never jumped caesar's palace (laughs) like there's a lot of things evil knievel never did because he crashed many a many times yeah i mean part of it you got to stick the landing right but yeah, I didn't know. I was pretty sure Kerry was the first one to do a backflip. Yeah. But and Metzger on the thing, even in the documentary, you could see the beef there because he's like, I mean, I'll, they fade him out. They do the they do the. Well, I mean, think about it too. Like, um, he's like, I'm just saying, like, he didn't ride away, and then they they like fade the scene real quick. And like, they had a. I used to have this movie before I moved to California. It was actually on VHS. For those of you kids, um, DVDs used to come on like basically large cassette tapes and, and that were those called VHS. You, <laughs> and for those of you that don't know what cassette tapes are, they were these yeah. rectangles that had actual magnetic. Yeah, they came mag- with music and then VHSs had videos yeah. too. They were, both, they were both boxes with magnetic tape inside. Yeah, they were both tapes. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a Pastrana documentary and oh, um, watching him do some stuff – you know, and they would practice and practice, practice. He wouldn't land it. 
you know, that was, and then that was part of the thing. You had to land it, you know? Yeah. He was doing crazy, like, body variables oh, and stuff. yeah. That, like, now everyone's doing, you know? After the backflip, everyone started to do the backflip. And, and yeah. it's an interesting documentary because it kind of shows you, like, the pros that these, nowadays, anybody can do it. Like, everybody does it. A backflip yeah, was, yeah, like, the first sure. trick you learn. But back then, when they were showing that it, could be done like Kerry Hart proved that it could be done because he did one even if he didn't yeah. pull it yeah he still did one and so it was just like if his you mistake could, was he dude, probably videoed it and they probably put out the video of him not landing well he it. tried it at the x games that's when he did oh, it oh he and never he, landed he it just before didn't then land it yeah yeah and then Brian Deegan the next year Kerry Hart got hurt leading up to the x games and brian deegan landed the first one a little sketchy but he still landed it and rode away said mike metzger landed the first one i'm sorry mike, mike metzger landed okay. it and so that's why metzger is like i'm the first one to backflip i think he's older too so they, that's why he got the granddaddy of the backflip maybe but he uh he definitely rode away on it even though his landing was sketchy too but uh carrie hart did the first one even if it wasn't perfect he's he proved it, and could it be took done. a whole year later for someone to actually land it because that was the last, I think that was the last run of the X Games or something. Yeah, nobody had tried them. That's what I'm saying. Nobody had tried them yet. Kerry yeah. Hart was, and the they weren't like doing them in the middle anywhere. Like, nope. Kerry Hart was the first one to try at X Games and show that it could be yeah. done. I remember too, like Metzger really wanted to be a racer, and he even said himself, yeah, I like thought he was like a racer, and he did. I remember wa- I watched a, uh, I think it was at Irwindale, and I don't even know what channel it was on, but I got to watch a supermoto race. It was before I moved out here too. And uh, he got, like, third. And I remember he jumps up on the seat and does a wheelie across the line, like, from the seat. Yeah. But it was cool because they were like, oh, Mike Metzger. And um, a guy they used to work with, like, knew all those dudes, knew Seth, knew Metzger, like, used to ride with him. And he um, he's like, yeah, Metzger wanted to race. He wanted to be a racer, but he was never good enough to his own admission, too. He was like, I, I wasn't at that level, but he was that level freestyle. So he's like, I'm going to go make my money. You know, and then it, it afforded him the ability to be able to go race though too. So, yeah. and then you can see where you can totally see where Travis Pastrana. I mean, once you ate, once you once you, everybody's doing backflips, then what's the next thing? And then it shows yeah. Travis Pastrana trying the body burial thing yeah. or like or the three sixty. And where then once you do a new trick and it becomes the thing. I remember I when I was a skateboarding, it's like sport bike stunt riding too. It's yeah. just it's totally went. The hardest next thing, level of of stuff. Yeah, it's insane. When I was when I was skating, the hardest thing is now like one of the first things you learn, and yeah. so you, the next generation just pushes it that much further. And so you can see where like people. Yeah, just you can see it out. can be done and how it's done, yeah. and you just like okay, how do I push that? How do I innovate? You now that that same trick isn't going to win next year because yeah. the judges have seen it. So now I got to well, I mean, go crazier. Do you remember when Tony Hawk did a nine hundred? Oh yeah, how many people do that now? It's probably a standard, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you did a 900. But when he pulled that off, it was like, oh, my God, Tony. And when he did it, it was crazy because he was already an old man when he pulled it off. Yeah. I was going to say people on the big airs, like, are trying 1080s and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, But, yeah, it's an interesting documentary. It's called, what did I say it was called? Off the Chains? Um, I have it written down here. It was called. Unchained. uh, Unchained. Unchained. And yeah, it's just basically, I guess that's what it is. It's about these guys getting unchained from an industry and making yeah. their own. And dude, since then, FMX and X Games and gear and like oh, yeah. graphics has gone berserk. It's no longer factory graphics. Now it's like all. So it created this huge uh, bump in the industry. I mean, it, 
not to that same level, but that's kind of what we did with hooligan was just like, let's, because I feel like too, like for those guys, it was, um, you know, you're going racing, you're hitting big air. Why not like throw a little flair into it too? You know, they just wanted to kind of one up one another, you know, and that's really what you guys should do. Freestyle hooligan cross. I'm all for it. Fuck that. I can only (laughs) turn left. Okay. You should, guys should turn right. You uh, should do flat track and turn right. It's too much. Oh man, new sport. Uh, hey, you got, you want to do a challenge? Uh, sure. I gotta I gotta Google my thing again. Alrighty, we're I gonna. I hope we don't have the same one. We're gonna take a quick break, and then you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do that awesome thing where we uh, pick a name from the hat for the loser. All right, we'll be right back. singing there for you everybody sounds like some Radiohead. yeah no that's that's junkie turdman junkie turdman original made with apple uh software so i can't really say it's a my i didn't create that riff but i used their riff to make it um so we only have three pieces of paper left folks so there's gonna only be three weeks of challenges left did you listen to the last week's show uh we I, had th- i don't listen to motorcycle podcast yeah anymore. me neither <laughs> so you lost last week buddy Oh, man. man. Isn't that suck? <laughs> like the first week you won and you're like, how'd I win? I didn't even have a suspension. <laughs> and I was like, well, I pulled the challenge. Last week you pulled the challenge. You had a great fork, but you didn't chirp once during the – you oh, pulled out – Was bird. I supposed to bird chirp? Yeah. Oh, and oh. I, after I – when I was editing – Wait, I forgot to chirp like a bird. Uh, when um When I was listening to it, I was like, dude, Wiggins – wait, where's this – what? What is this? There's no uh, – What's it called? There's no um, chirping happening. Yeah, so you lost. I'm sorry. So listen up, folks. That clinking that you hear is our dice and our comically large uh, piece of money. If this is your first time listening to the show, good on you. Don't go backwards. (laughs) Stay here. So if this is your first time listening to the show, we're doing a... Is it low or high? It doesn't matter. Oh. Remember, that's what the coin comes in for. I really wanted to keep it random. Oh, I got a six. So Wiggins rolled a six, and let me see what I roll. So what we do for this challenge is uh, I rolled a two. So we're we're uh, and I'm gonna let Wiggins flip the coin. So what we do is we're doing a uh, we did a motor challenge before, and it was uh, very educational. We put two motors head to head and saw which one was the craziest. Wiggins blew me out of the water with that with some very very good motors. Now we're doing the suspension challenge. We're hoping to teach you guys something as well as ourselves because we don't know everything there is to know about everything. You know, we think we do. So why not just make it so? So every week we bring coming up with some new stuff and uh, new ways to challenge ourselves and give you guys a little bit of lowdown on why a motorcycle is like how it is. So our suspension challenge talks all about suspensions and here's how we do it. Here's how we decide who has to pull a random curse, if you will, out of this helmet First, Wiggins rolls a, a dice, and then I roll a dice. He rolled a six. I roll a two. Now, the coin flip is to keep it random because we can't just say whoever rolls higher, whoever rolls lower. We flip a coin, and since heads starts with an H, if it lands heads, I'm going to let Wiggs flip this week. If it lands heads, then the person with the higher number pulls the curse. If it lands tails, the person with the lower number pulls the curse. Wiggins is going to flip the coin in the air. Hey, where's that little tiny quarter come from? 
It is heads. Wiggins, you get to pull another curse out of the helmet. Does that mean it's a curse for you? No. Right. It means you got to... I don't know. You pull out that piece of paper and do what it says on on it. Maybe it is a curse for me. All right, folks. Let's see. Wait, if I won the roll and I won the toss, then what I pull out of the helmet should be for you to do. Nope. <laughs> you didn't win the roll. That just establishes. Yeah, higher one. I I got the higher one, so that yeah, I had the higher one doesn't win. It just establishes. Talk like a pirate. <laughs> yes. We get to hear. I still think uh, that's Captain for you, Wiggs. Because I won the flip to do the draw, which means you're the one that has just, to put up with this it. This just means who the fate of the coin chooses. Yeah, either way, I the cho- the dice and the coin chose me to draw, <laughs> and which so now, means you get to draw. No, now you get to do I it. I win. You drew it. You get to you get to do it. That's, I'm going to forget to talk like a pirate, and you're going to say that I lose. Listen. <laughs> I'll give it to you this week. I'll help you out, matey. I wish I had a sea shanty to sing for you <laughs> so we could get going. Hey, since you already kind of lost. <laughs> since I already kind of lost. <laughs> hey, how much were those earrings? A buccaneer? <laughs> oh. Man, I, I got so many dad jokes. You weren't ready for that one. Um, that one I was not ready for. <laughs> okay. Well, since you already have the advantage of of being uh, the swarthiest and uh, most saltiest dog of the creative writing studios, I'm going to also let you go Salty first. for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I picked another. I, I have this thing where I like picking the one that you're going to think is nothing special. Can I call you Captain Weirdbeard during this but, segment? <laughs> Obviously, (laughs) it's special. You just don't think of it that way. All right. So uh, in 1972, all dirt bikes had dual rear shocks, and they sucked. So before that, actually, in 1971-ish, Roger DeCoster had a large role to play in this, told Yamaha that you guys should run a monoshock. And uh, Yamaha was like, that sounds like a good idea. So they worked on it for a while. And in 1973, the Yamaha Monoshock came out. How did you find about this being not a landlubber? <laughs> I like how <laughs> you're still the one talking like a pirate. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to make up for I'm it. I'm trying to seduce you into the uh, giving me at least a little bit of a uh, well. I did see, already with the, see, with the R. All right, Captain. We just got one R. Yeah. Um. So there's, I, it's not really like a long story though. Well, I are mean, you are you saying the powder monkeys at Yamaha were told to get out the bilge rats of the? Uh, yeah, Roger DeCoster was like, listen, dudes, that doesn't sound like a pirate. He's like. I think that two shocks is good, but one shock could be better (laughs) (laughs) because they got a lecture in mechanical engineering. So that's it. Mr. Tilkins. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkins. (laughs) No, not Tolkins. (laughs) (laughs) This challenge is horrible. (laughs) That's it. I don't really have... um, what you're saying is they went from a dual sail. Yeah. I'm going to talk like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but in 1973, so that was the first year of the mono shock. Yamaha was the first one to do it, made it happen. It's funny. I had a 1978 CR. See what? CR. 
<laughs> Still dual shock. How do you spell C S E A? A C R. I bet you wish you had a sword so you could stab your. <laughs> the best part is, you think you're so funny, you're crying. <laughs> in my head, dude, in my head, this is so good. And in reality, it's just not. <laughs> I think the weird twist you threw on it takes away from the history lesson. <laughs> That's true. Well, Foster. <clears throat> and I'm, I, I'm sorry to all the listeners that there's not a lot to say about a monoshock, but. I mean, it's something that we take, I think we take for granted, just like the telescoping forks. Yeah. Just like the inline four cylinder of the CB750. Are you trying to win again, uh, Captain Weirdbeard? So, yeah, like pretty much everything has a, even Harleys mostly have monoshocks now. Even what? Harleys. (laughs) Har. I like how you at least got it. What year? Harley. What year did you say that was? Nineteen seventy-three wow. was the Yamaha monoshock. Yeah, because a lot of stuff uh, into the yeah, you know, a lot of stuff into the early eighties. Some of them, oh, yeah. do have yeah. single or uh, twins. Back oh, a lot of here. them. The um, XT two fifty that Spamala is actually very similar to is the off-road version of Spamala. Got a monoshock rear. That was like the only difference is the frame is different. The head, the yeah. the head is for 1983 had a dual cam, and I was like, "Ooh, could I slap one of those heads and run the timing it, chain it'd off?" Probably of it? be easier just to swap a whole motor. It probably it's would. probably the same bolt. There's pattern. a decompression lever. It, it it's it, everything's the same. That's like why the, the head like bolt. the Honda XR50 has not changed since yeah. you know the 50 scooters. Yeah, 1950, 16, yeah, something, whatever. Yeah, I am glad that you. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of bikes don't need them. <clears throat> you know, the Dyna and the Sportster, I think, had them ha- or still has on the Dyna, on the Sportster for nostalgic reasons. Yeah. Same with, you know, Spamala. I, yeah. Well, I don't know. What year is that one? Maybe that was still technology. 1980, that's the yeah. technology. But um, look at this. Look at the uh, the monkey that just came out. Yeah, the 125 that's totally the for The CB 1100EX from Honda that they just killed for the new – that oh, they yeah, killed for the for new, the new CB? CBR yeah. or the new CB1000. That CB1100 spoke wheels, dual shocks. Uh, yeah. The Suzuki TU250 is also a throwback. I can't think of a lot of people that are the thing doing is, dual shocks work. Oh, yeah. It, it, they work pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I actually don't, I guess for frame, frame wise, it's definitely obviously more expensive to run a monoshock, but. Parts wise, two shocks is more expensive than one shock. Yep. But uh, it's more about mechanical advantages and stuff. And then when you look at a lot of modern dirt bikes, um, the VFR probably, um, definitely the RC, they have a link, which makes it a little more progressive moving than the swing arm. Yeah. TO Captain Weirdbeard, because or this is where. Pro Link, I believe, is what Honda calls theirs. Yeah, I know. They all have their funny little. Uh, Funny little have names. A copyrighted name. Yeah. So, Captain Weirdbeard, thank you for your, uh, thank you for your, mm, I don't even know what pirates would call a history lesson, but thank you. My, I'm, we should have, I meant to text you today to tell you what my rear, sus- what my suspension was going to be. <laughs> was it a monoshock uh, and I blew well, it? Well, <laughs> actually, my rear suspension is the cantilevered monoshock and uh, not a monoshock in general because like the XT250 just had a monoshock that mounted 
not cantilevered. The new Softails have a monoshock that's not cantilevered. My Ducati was actually not. There was no linkage. Yeah. So I guess that's what you're calling the cantilever yeah. is so, the linkage. On race cars and various race or sporting motorcycles, the twin shock was around forever and still on a lot of sportsters, a lot of hooligan bikes you will find. I don't think the Indians, they have a monoshock. They have a monoshock. The the reason with a lot of stuff like the Sportster 2 um, is – and the old soft tail, you have a rear cylinder that's kind of in the way if you're going to lay the shock down like that. It's a low bike, yep. so you don't have a lot of room. You know, we're on the early dirt bikes. It's a single cylinder, so the cylinder is up front, so you got a little room. And they're so tall that the swing arm's at an angle, so you have a little room. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they, they yeah. work. And on, and on old bikes, they didn't care. They so didn't, are they – putting cantilevers on a lot of car suspension now a lot of race cars that's the thing race cars many many even going back to like the 80s and uh stuff like that would use cantilevered suspension and on i'm not going to get into the race car stuff because there it's so incredible Take that buck back my ducati did have a linkage okay i was gonna say it was a weird one but it had yeah one. i was gonna say most, it had like a radius rod on one side so it was yeah. like connected to the top yep yeah so someone the, is gonna ride in and tell thing, me wrong yeah my own bike there you go yeah he's not wrong folks uh captain weirdbeard never gets he'll lash it to the post and give you a 50 make you swab the deck if you uh Telling me he's wrong. I like how I tried to pawn off talking like a pirate to you. Uh, well, I had it, and you totally denied it, uh, and then that, you did it anyway. Well, I wanted I wanted the segment to to succeed because I want people to. We did get one. Actually, it was Danger Dan and his patron email to us that said that Bob shit was a pain in the dick. So it's funny because someone else, I think my <laughs> sister even sent me something where she listened to an episode and she thought the Bob thing was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So it works. So this talking like a pirate thing was going to be good. So listen up, Powder Monkey. Danger Dan and I are on the same page. Yeah, I know you are. You guys are no funnest Dan <laughs> Dan is what I'm going to call him. So thank you, Captain Weirdbeard. But it's my turn at the uh, the wheel in all the right. wheelhouse here. Uh, I'm going to take over this cruise ship and tell you all about uh, we're going to go on a fantastic voyage. I'm going to run with this pirate thing. I'm not going to talk like a pirate because it wasn't my curse. But uh, anyways, the cantilevered, the cantilevered shock on rear suspensions. We talked about plungers last week and how your suspension, your rear suspension works like a compass. And a compass meaning not the kind that points north and you look for moss on the side of a rock. But, but the kind that it's a certain, you know, you have a, a pin and then any measure of uh, distance out to a drawing. You know, you can draw perfect circles with these type of compasses that I'm thinking of. Even a protractor, you can do it with. So your suspension mounts there in the middle and it rotates in a circle around it rather than just straight up and down. That's why the plunger shocks did not work. They only worked on a very small portion of that curve that your uh, rear axle travels in. So cantilevered suspension came in instead of the twin shocks cuz like you're saying the twin shocks work. Why did why do you why did they say the monoshock? Why did they want a monoshock? Was it to save on parts? Was it to uh, save on mechanical weight? Mechanical advantage. So even without the linkage, I believe there's yes. still a mechanical advantage. Yes. So the thing is with twin shocks and you've seen it probably on your Sportster there's, and I I've seen it on Spamla. I can't go too far out of the inches range that I have here. There's any good local fabricators too. I know a way around the Roland Sands rules that I could do a monoshock on my Sportster. Sweet. He'll probably make it illegal the first time it shows up to the track because there's nothing like writing rules and not sticking to them. But right. I do know a way to work around the rules and it would technically be yeah. illegal. Well, listen, yeah, there's plenty of ways, things that have monoshocks like the Yamaha, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Kawasaki, um, Vulcan, 
has a monoshock, but it mount it mounts horizontally instead of up and down. It mounts only on the right side of the bike, and it kind of mounts from mm-hmm. one side of the swing arm to when the, part of the, the motor. The soft tails until the brand new ones were all pull shocks. I was just going to say, so on my bike, on Spamla, she has dual rear shocks, and on Wiggins Sporty, he has dual rear, rear shocks. And the thing is, is Wiggs, what if you try to put like 16 inches on your bike? What happens? Um, well, you have a Oh, you have a chain on that. Oh. Will the chain eventually hit the swing arm somewhere or will it hit the yeah, frame or something somewhere? That will do it with a monoshock too. But listen to this. with uh, Like with Spamela, I can't put 13. I try to put 13-inch shocks on this and the swing arm won't flex down far enough. Um, it hits, oh, that's just because it hits something. It on starts the hitting the yeah. frame. Because I have... 14 and three quarters, I believe, on my sporty or 15. What's, and what stock? 12, 12 and a half, 12. Yeah. So you've gone a couple inches. These are 11s, I think, and I tried to go 13 or 14. It's just too much. I can go yeah. 12 or 13. I can go a couple inches here or there. If you go tall, I used to have 17s on my sporty. Wow. But it's just, it's where the, how it mounts into the frame. There's just, yeah, it, it doesn't hit anything. It all depends. Now, if I had a mono shock on this thing, it wouldn't really matter because, I mean, a shock would have to fit in there. And as long as it fit, I could get different linkages. And the, the difference between monoshocks and cantilevers. Yeah, but then what would the point of being a long shock? Like the reason we do a long shock and the dual shocks on the sporties is to lift them up. Yeah. So if you did a different cantilever with a long shock and it was the same ride height, then it, why would it matter? Well, the the mechanical advantage that you were talking about is part of the reason people went to monoshocks. But with cantilevered monoshocks, you can even, like with mine, with a dual shock, you have to build that frame sturdy enough to take hits. Because what's happening when you get hit is it's transferring the the force of whatever you're running over or the force of the gravity upward into the shock. And if it mounts to the frame, into the frame. So... If you get a cantilever, you can now mount it almost any way you want. The The benefits of a cantilever over a monoshock is that with a cantilever, since it depends on the linkage, there's a, a cantilever usually mounts like this. It usually, no matter how they're set up, there's a triangular-shaped arm. Sometimes they're isosceles, sometimes they're scalene. Like it doesn't have to be an equal-sided triangle. Sometimes it's like way oblong or offset. But it's usually a three-point mount lever they call it which is the cantilever and there's usually some sort of radius rod that connects to one of the holes you know you have three points on a triangle a radius rod connects from the frame to one of the holes the uh swing arm connects to the other hole and then the shock connects to the third hole and depending on how you you know that arm depending on the shape of it and depending on the length of it you can get so much more travel out of the same size shock that you can use the same shock but a different linkage and get more or fine-tune your travel and you can use it for motocross you can use it for racing you can you can make the same size shock um take a lot more uh you know be able to compress a lot more because you can move it and gain mechanical advantage, but the biggest advantage is that you don't have to build build that rear frame anymore to be able to withstand jumping off a sand dune. You know, think of jumping like an old um, an old uh, vintage bike, vintage motocross. Why they can't sky them off the type of jumps that you can sky nowadays type of bikes off of? A is there's not enough travel there because the monoshocks gave it that mechanical advantage. But having a cantilever, you can now mount the top part of the shock to the swing arm 
and the cantilever attaches everything else. So it's not attaching to your frame anymore. So the rear subframe can be way lighter. And you can all you have to worry about now is being able to sit the rider on that. And a nice aluminum subframe uh, weighs a half of what a steel frame does, and it supports that same 120, 130-pound motocross rider. So you get a whole bunch more travel in the same amount of space, and you can mount it completely independent because it's not depending on hooking to the frame anymore. It hooks to this cantilever, and the lever hooks to the bottom of the shock, and the shock hooks to the top of the swing arm usually. And boom, Bob's your uncle. And uh, everything you were talking about with the mono shock, Captain Weirdbeard, <laughs> is is uh, the mechanical advantage. Now, put that, be able to mount that anywhere. And the, the reason I was talking about cantilevers on race cars is because this might sound trippy, but on race cars and desert cars and dune buggies and all that stuff, you can have the shocks going front and rear and the cantilevers still oh, yeah, push them. Like there's there's two different levers. It, it can turn up and down motion into back and forth motion. This cantilevering is so awesome, and it looks cool when it's done right. But the biggest advantage is that you can mount the shock in any position, and you can take all that weight. And like you said, you don't have to have two shocks and two maintenances back there anymore, and your frame doesn't have to also be part of the suspension. Now it can like just flow. And actually, Suzuki call, was the first one, I believe, to have a cantilevered. Uh, rear suspension, and they called it a full floater. And then, like you said, Honda has the ProLink. Kawasaki has, like, the K-Tibs or something. I don't know what they call theirs, the K-Rex. And uh, everybody had the, like, yeah, we got to make ours and, like, uh, copyright the name, even though they're basically all a cantilever. So, at any rate, monoshocks and cantilevered monoshocks, how could we have gone so... Did we, we, did we pick a rotary engine on the same week as the during the engine challenge? We didn't, did we? They were different weeks. Yeah, yep. man. So crazy on this suspension challenge, uh, we sailed into the same harbor. So what year did they start that? Suzuki didn't do it. Uh, I mean, this is like 80s stuff, I'm thinking, 90s. But there were monoshocks before that. No, uh, the cantilever, though. Yeah, uh, as far as I can tell, I it, think the, it was like 90s. I think my CBX has a linkage. It might. My CBX, for people wondering who are like CBXs or dual shocks, when they went to the touring with the fairing and the bags, they actually went to a aluminum swing arm and a mono shock. And I thought it was linkage, but maybe it's not. Yeah, it might not be. And even like the modern soft tails, like you were saying, they have a mono shock, but they're not cantilever. Yeah, they're still, not. It's direct. Still to this, a lot of stuff yeah. with the without cantilever. And the uh, you know Jeff Pilecki, he makes. Uh, he makes cool flat trackers when he does. He took a bolt and made a flat tracker and did one of those Kawasaki style, you know, only on the right side. I think hor- doesn't the bolt have that anyway? Uh-uh. The bolt has the um, dual mm. uh, dual piggyback shocks, the bolt R-spec. The, I mean, mm. it's just, it just like a Sportster. But, yeah, he made one that had like a horizontal Kawasaki style versus. It's like the Kawasaki versus is basically the one that has that uh, horizontal shock. It's kind of interesting mono shocks, but then you cantilever them and you look at it and you're trying to figure out what goes here and what goes there. There's two, usually two radius arms. It seems like a lot more parts just to do the same thing. But if you can go on the Internet and Google a picture of it moving, you'll see how the radius arms barely move, but the friggin' shock is compressing yeah, like yeah. four inches because of the... My duck was like a dual one. It had like the top, it had like a little basically like triangle thing that the bolt, the pivot bolt went through the center. The shock was on one side and the radius rod was on the other. Aha. Uh-huh. 
Because it was maybe sing- not. Was it you know what? Maybe swing arm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm not. Maybe that's why I'm thinking that it was. Uh, it didn't have one because it had a link on the top, and maybe it didn't have a link on the bottom. Yeah. Then the radius rod mounted to the swing arm. I think the swing arm, and then the um, the shock mounted to the swing arm. So as it went yeah. up, it basically squeezed the shock twice as fast. Yep, yep. And that's yeah. the whole thing. A mono shock basically is just like having a relocated mm-hmm. dual shock, sort of. But when you put any sort of radius arm or cantilever sort of thing on it, yeah, you can get twice the movement out of half the space. That's why I was trying yeah, yeah. trying to make the space comparison earlier. Is that you can use that smaller shock and get more travel yeah. out of it or change the thing and get less travel depending yeah. on what you want. And so they're super fine tunable. They're um, almost on every sport bike and modern bike now that has a, uh, a mono shock on it. And there still are stuff, Harley Davidson and, um, versus, and I can't think of another bike, but are not Versus, not Versus. Why do I keep saying Kawasaki is the Vulcan, the Kawasaki yeah, yeah. Vulcan S. There's um, a lot of bikes that don't really need them. You know, Harley yeah. being one of the main ones. I mean, there's no, there's no point on yeah. a new soft tail to really have yeah. them. So, and I was looking at the old soft tails and how their shocks were basically like on Spamla. You have a spring with a plunger and a cylinder, yeah. and the springs on the outside. And on the soft tails, the spring was inside that canister with the plunger sticking out, and they were pull. You know, the it canister was, would get it was pulled a pull style, yeah. instead of pushed. Yeah. So, it's so interesting how people used to try and hide. Um, and th- and there was two of them on those old soft tails. So it's funny how people tried to used to hide the mechanical action of it. And then they're like, well, let's just go to a monoshock. It's like less hassle, <laughs> yeah. more, you know, more adjustable. And Roger DeCoster, uh, Roger DeCoster can be in our story, matey. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to resign your corpse to the briny deep now with uh, as we segue out of this challenge you guys let us know who won this week because i don't know who won actually wiggins captain weirdbeard over here did a pretty good job of uh bringing the mono shock <laughs> it's interesting that we had like pretty yeah. well the same yeah, thing yeah yeah uh a variation on a theme as mozart would have said I'm not the mood. and um all right let's uh get into some emails i have some listener emails here that wigs I'm glad you do. Yeah. Hey, and by the way, folks, um, I'm not we get lonely over here at Creative Writing, and uh, we feel crummy when we don't get emails from a whole lot of people. So let us know. Please let us know. Uh, send us an email to AskWigs. It's A-S-K-W-I-G-G-Z at gmail.com and ask him anything. I was going to ask you something crazy about tinfoil today. I forget what it was, but... Uh, uh, maybe if it would make a good hat for me while I'm trying to think of my conspiracy theory, <laughs> conspiracy theory challenges here. But I have um, to say, one of the podcasts that I do listen to, they have a um, can I ask you a question segment, and it's really good. Yeah, it's really like interesting to like listen to. Yeah. So I think um, we need to get some good ones in from the listeners. Yeah. We'll, uh, inspire other listeners yeah send us anything anything at all to ask wigs a-s-k-w-i-g-g-z at gmail.com and uh yeah he'll answer it you ask he'll answer he'll you want to know why a sandwich is called the sandwich he'll say hey the earl of sandwich no i don't know what he'll tell you but he'll tell you something but um i did want to say that we did get a couple emails, one of them being, uh, you know, little kid listens to the podcast with dad. Uh, another one being uh, Chime. I knew we could count on Paul's 
you know, Brad Biffer to come in with the, when we were talking, when I said last week that I forget where I saw this, but it's the Worcester Polytechnic Institute. And I thought it was in England for some reason. Um, he says Worcester Polytechnic Institute in Wor- Worcester, Massachusetts. I went to undergrad school at Clark University down the road from WPI. And uh, Worcester rhymes with Mr. So I guess it's Worcester. Rhyme with Mr. Can't go wrong. So uh, thank you for chiming in for that. Also, I did want to say somebody sent one for you. Oh, yeah, right here. Somebody wants to do a sound, uh, a collab with you on SoundCloud because they like your beats. <laughs> so, uh, what beats did I do? I don't know, dude. I have no idea why people send me that. And also, Matt from my motorbike obsessions uh, got a um, a spot on the Motorcycle Men podcast, and so I think they interviewed him. And also, he was very surprised. He was up at two in the morning with indigestion on uh, Thanksgiving when both of our episodes from last week dropped. And also, Chris Sing Simon Narissa. Um, from the Milwaukee Ribbits, our uh, Spooky Spokes winners chiming in saying, dude, we were like, did he not release an episode this week? And then they realized it was Wednesday. Wednesday was everybody's Friday last week. Yeah, they they thought it was going to come out. Yeah, they were like, like, hey, we don't have to work. It's the weekend. But they forgot it was just a Wednesday. But I did drop one. We only got... Did we get one show out of IMS or two? No, dude. We had the interview show that dropped on Thanksgiving. You're welcome. And we also had our regular show where I'm we talked uh, on the ride home from IMS on Friday. On the real Friday, not the on day the real, before Thanksgiving yeah, yeah. Friday. And then we, uh, yeah. And then this show is dropping, and I had one in our queue from the week before. So I was like, wow, four shows in the span of one week. I can't believe this. Um, I did want to also shout out. Um, basically, we have a lot of listens. Our, our buddies in Canada, I don't know what's going on. I think the uh, the Trump tariffs are not letting our sound waves reach Canada. <laughs> so I'm not sure if it's that or the wildfires are blocking the signal. But I, Canada is getting overrun by Denmark and uh, England or the United Kingdom. I don't know. Um, it could be Scotland, England, Wales, or uh, uh, any of the Irelands. There's a few of, of uh, Irelands that I know, or the Isle of Man. But uh, I don't know who it is in Great Britain, but they are soaring right now. They're up there in the listens, along with Australia. And so, Canada, we love your bacon, we love your friendly accent, and we love your poutine. We wish you would uh, come back. And uh, keep us company this winter. I actually don't like your bacon. American bacon's way better. What? Oh, my God. I can't believe you said that. Yeah. I mean, Canadian bacon's good because it's ham. Oh, I mean the movie. I didn't mean the food. Oh. Oh, yeah. Canadian bacon's gross. Yeah, because there's, <laughs> there's regular bacon. It's called Hawaiian pizza. You, you guys know? need to try regular bacon up there. Yeah. Try some spam. I love your poutine and stuff. Yeah, poutine's good. Uh, it's also my nickname in high school. Putin. 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 Isn't that the president of Russia? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I just want to give a shout out to all the listeners around the world. And we're going to try and keep you company in the colder climates. Uh, you know, I know in England right now, I think they're pretty much the same uh, schedule as us as far as summer, winter. So they got to be getting pretty cold and chilly over there. They ride all year around in the rain. I don't know what I'm talking to them about but uh you know canada they must be getting pretty cold up there pretty soon so we're going to keep you guys company 
you keep talking to us in those uh, flannel shirts and, and crispy clean uh, accents, and we'll keep you a company this winter. And uh, everywhere else, Australia, I think it's summer for you guys. So uh, let us know how the riding is down there. And uh, that's it for the emails. I did want to say, Wigs, we're almost to the end of the show here, but I do have some obituaries, sadly, I want to say. Um, a couple things we didn't cover in the last few shows that are dead. And uh, I think I should probably cue the sad music for this. Um, yeah, I do actually have a sad sound effect. Awkward silence while he finds <laughs> the music. <laughs> and it's not this. No. That's just for your bad jokes. Yeah, it is this one. I would like to announce the death of Alta. It's old news now, and it actually broke up the two enthusiasts podcast, apparently. Really? Yeah. It's not totally dead, right? Well, or let's just they... call it hiatus. Let's just call it this but, is... So, like, them and Eric Bueller hanging out together. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I they probably are because Harley is hanging out in uh, Silicon Valley trying to make that new electronics. They announced that they're making that new huge... They're investing in a huge electric vehicle facility up there to facilitate their live wire project. And um, uh, I heard this said on Cleveland Moto and maybe two enthusiasts that it's not, un- it's not unlike some corporations to run in, grab the necessary goods and get out Ocean's Eleven style and have it all legal because it was a partnership and it wasn't mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. buyout and then close you like they did with Bueller or anything like that. And so... They're really... They kept Bueller around for a long time. It's not like they yeah, bought him out and closed him. Yeah. They eventually closed him. Eventually, but Alta, Alta was like six months. Alta was – it's so weird because Alta was, appeared to be doing good before – I think they depended on that money and had all their eggs in one basket and like, yes. And then like Harley's like, Whoosh-hoo! and then they're like, Bing! and now Alta's uh, on hiatus. It's like Spinal Tap. Are they ever coming back? I don't think so. I mean – you know. I don't know. As far as an electric dirt bike goes, Alta was the shit. I mean, they were... They took third, right, at the uh, straight rhythm. Not not this year, but last uh, year, right? I don't know if they got third overall, but maybe... Or they won their class or something. Yeah, yeah. or fourth overall. Um, if yeah, you're I still, think it was fourth overall. If you're still waiting for the Stone Roses to get back together, you might as well, uh, you know, throw this Alta thing in your hat, too, because I have a feeling that they are going to be... Here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. I'm, I'm saying this now. I have a feeling Alta may become a phoenix, like Confederate turning into Curtis or something like that, um, which, by the way, Curtis is going public. I think they're they're uh, either going IPO or they're looking for crowdfunding right now to, to grow. So I think there's going to be a new wave. I think the big four or the big five, as we know them... Um, because Harley included in that. I think from what I've seen happening in the automotive sector, I it's going to be companies like Alta and um, p- people like this that and Zero is going to be one that I think is going to be coming up pretty soon. Screw Harley Davidson and I Indian. think Energica is going to be coming oh, up. Oh, and Energica. With those drop in prices. And Man. the FIN Enel Cup launching yeah, next yeah. year five dates next year it's well, they have a moto crazy. e right that's what i'm saying that's, oh, that's okay. the that it's the enel moto e is what it is mm. so there's gonna be five races next year and they're gonna showcase those things harley davidson 115 years big deal indian they're pretend 118 years big deal 
Kawasaki, Honda. I mean, they've only been around since the 50s. All this stuff is a flash in the pan. GM is closing down. They're cutting like 15,000 jobs by the end of next year. They're closing like five major plants or six major plants in North America. I don't know what they're doing worldwide. But here's what I've seen. The Rivian, have you seen that thing? The R1, the Rivian R1? Not Tesla, folks. Some other company called Rivian, I think, is I just saw an electric truck coming out. Oh, yeah. I think I have seen. Yeah. Fisker. I know Fisker went out of business and so did Faraday, but I think they Fiskers were. Fiskers are back though, aren't they? That maybe they are. I mean, I'm. I'm if they got the their catching on fire problem figured out. Yeah. And Tesla. Tesla's up and coming. Everyone, everyone doesn't know whether to, what to do with Tesla. Do we buy them? Do we not? Listen, by the time you figure it out, the regular OEs are going to be dead. We saved Ford's ass in 2008. We saved GM's no, ass no, in no. 2008. Ford was the only one that didn't take a loan. Were they? Yeah. Here's the thing, too. So I saw someone comment about- I got that totally wrong. About man. the- Yeah, everyone else took a loan, but not Ford. Um, everyone commented about, you know, the General Motors thing closing. Um and everyone wants to blame everything. I would bet the president still has a private jet, the, the General Motors president, that he gets to fly all over the country in. Are they really hurting that bad? Like, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a mentality thing where, like, those people think that they need to make millions a year and get huge bonus checks where the people on the line are making scraps. Yeah. And then they close down and kill, like, you know, get rid of all those jobs. It's like, or restructure, as they say. Yeah. Everybody does, you know, they what I'm only saying? restructure to keep their own pockets lined. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. Steve Jobs actually said something, made this great comment about, um, industry in general and how the people that make the product aren't the people that sell the product and the people that sell the product and market the product are the people that get the customers coming and the money coming in and eventually they're the ones that keep getting rewarded the executives the salespeople, blah 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 not the line workers not the people making the product not even the people coming up with the product or figuring out how to make the product work that's right and eventually who makes the money all the people at the top that are doing the sales the gabbers the flabbers the lip flappers and they end up running the company. And he said something like that. Like if you look at such and such company like IBM, oh, they just make a copier. What are you going to do, make a better copier? No, it's the people that are selling it that make people want to buy your copier, not a better copier, your copier. And so they're the ones that get paid. And eventually they're the ones that run the company and the other people are expendable. And I feel like that's the same sort of thing that's happening. So what I see is that a lot of companies have matured, and I've said it before, Harley-Davidson, the only reason they're in the news so much is because they've been on top for so long. Yeah. And they're not a terrible well, money. We see them in the news because they're really right. the, only the only American. American right. That's, yeah. Indian's a small percentage, yeah. and they're Polaris anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And Polaris and um, any anybody, Janice, uh, I mean, you don't even see as many American builders as you did it, right before 2008 and 2009, sadly. But I mean, there, I can't think of any other ones that aren't electric. All the ones I see are electric. Um, Curtis is, is electric. Zero's electric. I don't know if they're still doing lightning and, and mission and all that. I mean, mission, obviously the guys p- passed away, but I, I don't know if they're still carrying on anything with like the mission stuff or the lightning, lightning guys still around, but they're super expensive bikes. <laughs> yeah. But they won't be in a while is what I, was on um, what I'm thinking. Well, and I wonder how, and when Harley um, goes electric, it's going to set a trend. Yeah. I wonder how Energica basically cut their prices in half without changing their bikes. They might've subsidized, uh, production somehow or, 
offset costs through the wonder, upcoming sponsors. Well, or, I wonder if they're like, well, if we sell more, that, that, uh, we, we can make less per unit. They did actually send out quite a few press releases last year when they were announcing all that stuff that they had partnered with certain dealerships up and down the West Coast because that's where you're going to sell a lot of electric yeah. stuff anyway. And maybe part of their deal was, hey, if you if you can get us in here, we need to move these things, obviously, because yeah. we can't sell them as a boutique yet when there's not quite enough. When there's just there's not a there's not a market for boutique electric stuff anymore because so much production electric stuff is coming online. Well, and there's nothing fucking cool about them. Yeah, like I mean, the, the Energicas look badass. they look great. They're the best electric motorcycles I but think. But if seen. you're gonna buy a boutique bike, then you have the wealth. That you're not gonna get electric. Yeah, probably. It's not the same yeah. as a car. Yeah. And honestly, a Tesla is still not really a boutique car. Eighty grand for a car is not that expensive. Well, nowadays it's normal, which is sad because normal. It's like fifties normal. Yeah, I was gonna say like fifty, sixty thousand bucks for a freaking truck, though. Like, uh, to replace my truck with a new one is. 80 or yeah. something like that. Isn't yeah, that insane? Sure. Like, dude, that's insane to me. The two enthusiast podcast mentioned something about that too. Like yeah, yeah. a regular car nowadays, like goddamn fifty thousand bucks. It went up a lot. And then yeah. everyone's like, oh, I wonder why it's like wages haven't went up. All right, Dubaroos. Uh we're about a two hours in. There's a little bit more to go. If you want to get yourself a drink, go potty. Whatever you gotta do. Now would be a good time to do it. Also get up and stretch those legs. Take the earbuds out if you're listening at work. And uh, if you're at work, go get some work done, for Pete's sake. All right, let's get back into it. Got about a half hour to go. But what I'm saying is, like, the the market for a boutique electric is so, so, so narrow. Yeah. Where Confederate got away with it was they weren't electric, first of all. They were gas. Yeah. They um, were big. They were, like... And they were just... They were overdone. Yeah. The... the Energic is not like yeah. it's a it's a nice looking sport bike. Yeah, they're worth the money that they now are. I, yeah, exactly. Like they're not worth. Uh, I think those grand. prices that they are now. People is that are going to spend thirty five grand on a full fairing sport bike are going to be buying a V four, Panigale R or whatever yeah. the new or a BMW S one thousand R or the M a, package a, the HP four yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. you know HP four race yeah the people that have forty or fifty grand are that's what they're buying they're not going to buy a normal looking bike that's happens to be electric yeah or H two R carbon yeah. or whatever yeah. the hell yeah exactly and um yeah so I I really started thinking this week after I seen this stuff happening and I've seen some other things come up these weird companies emerging that are making electric stuff and it's like what in the world. All these companies are you know going to be... who needs to make some? Like, Associated and Loadsy. <laughs> What's that? Wait, uh, RC this... car companies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Full-size RC Dude. cars. Just scale them up. Yeah, just motorcycles instead. Yeah. So what I heard, uh, an interesting thing I heard, uh, you know, is that the steel tariffs cost them a billion dollars. And so that's part... But you can't... Cost Dude, who a billion dollars? Uh, GM. Apparently, but it's not like it didn't cost everybody a billion dollars. Well, the thing is, if they wouldn't have shipped production to China in the first place, it would not have cost them anything. If they didn't try to screw over American workers, then it wouldn't have cost them that money. Like, and I'm not saying that I agree with the steel tariff and I'm not nothing like that. I'm just saying that 
everyone's like, oh, the steel tariff, it did this because we couldn't get steel. Well, if you would have bought American for your American-made cars in the first place because you're selling cars to Americans. American steel. Instead of just trying to worry about profits and that's it, then there never would have been an issue in the, like at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, we got to go back to like the 70s though when Pittsburgh started to close down, right? I mean, well, when did Reagan get in office? Every Republican's favorite, but he's really the first one that started selling everyone out to that, isn't it? Well, and Nixon, and then the free trade. Nixon before him, after that, saw China as a uh, was the very first one to see a potential in China to make yeah. things cheaper, and it also a Republican. But uh, but the thing is, like we now we need cheap goods because we don't make enough money to buy expensive yeah. goods, but we don't make enough money to buy expensive goods because so many jobs have left and went to China. Yeah. So it's really a circle. It's a catch 22. For it sure. is. Yeah. And, and like the thing is that I think what Trump was trying to accomplish, although I think he's also trying to line his own pockets more than anything is if China would buy, say that we buy $10 billion a year worth of Chinese goods. If they would buy $10 billion a year worth of American goods, none of it would fucking matter. It would all be a wash and our economy would do good and their economy would do good, but it's not. Like yeah. we spend all this money. We send all of our money over there. Technically it should be meaning we should send gold over there. Cause that's what money should be based on. Although we all know that hasn't been true in a while. <laughs> I don't think we have enough gold in Fort Knox for all the people that the population that's boomed since then. Yeah. I mean, we spend tons of money on their goods and they don't spend any money on our goods. Yeah. So the money doesn't come back this way. So the whole global economy thing, like it can work, but it doesn't because no one is on board to better it. Like, you, yeah. You, you, and then I you pull know. out of the PTT or uh, the P the trans Pacific partnership, the TPP yeah. and kind of make things worse because now you have zero leverage against that. You know, yeah, a big I, I don't know. I don't like the free trade with China anyway. And even um, uh, there's an economist, uh, I always forget his name too, a little short dude, like talks about it in his documentary. Like he brings his stool in when he gives speeches. Oh, how funny. But he was an economist for Clinton and for Obama. And he's saying everything Trump's doing is wrong. But however, in the documentary I watched with him, he talks about how China manipulates the value of the yen. They do. Absolutely. To they keep, screw over the dollar, basically. They have been accused of uh, money and, tampering for a long time yes, now. Yes. And labor low. Because they're still considered a, quote, developing country, they don't have the same um, emissions for like the factories. So if they just have a factory that blows black smoke into the air, no one gives a fuck because they're considered developing and the states we don't we cannot do that according to it's not the UN, I guess it would be the free trade stuff too, whatever those councils are. Like we can't do that because we're a developed nation. So well, we have to have clean, you know, renewable, we have to we can't just dump toxic stuff into the water and China can get away with it. Not because it's their water and they can do what they want. But because they're considered a developing country, that they're allowed to get away with that. Yeah. Funny enough, Richard Nixon also started the EPA, um, and that's part of the reason to make stuff healthier and cleaner. So we yeah. weren't like China and India. But China, after Trump pulled out of the, but if we would say, "Hey, your factories have to be held to this standard," it well, would make it more expensive to do stuff over there too. Yeah. 
this is a funny thing because what you're saying is true if you look at China about five years ago. And ever since Trump pulled out of the Paris Accord or the Paris Agreement mm-hmm. and the Kyoto Agreement, I think uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on know. that. But I'm when he I did, try to not pay attention to anything that, <laughs> yeah, when he did that, China said, not only are we going to build, not only are we going to set an example of global cleanliness, we are also going to go all electric. And they are, uh, I talked to our well, I mean, buddy electric. Have you also seen the photos of Beijing when it's like the middle of the day and you you can't see your hand in front of your face because of the pollution? You and I live around – I live in a pretty – most of the people that live around me are immigrants, not like first gen but like literally have immigrated here from China and they still wear the face mask because it's a a thing you do in daily life in China because of the pollution. Yeah. And so I'm sure it's not that great but they – all of the motorcycle companies that are popping up in China and scooter companies, by 2020, they're going to be all electric. Which and is two kudos years to them now. if they're going to change around and they're actually going to make that stuff clean. But it, it's just one of those – it was a loophole that they took advantage of to oh. make things cheaper. Well, and that's sure. why – so that's why we bought steel from there because it was cheaper. So then all the steel factories in the United States closed down and then when Trump does put a tariff on – now all of a sudden General Motors can't get steel, but if they would have just bought steel from their neighbor in the first fucking place. I don't think there's like that much steel here that we can get for the – Oh, I guarantee. Dude, we had so much crazy infrastructure like we for did. that stuff. I mean have you seen Pennsylvania, <laughs> the Rust Belt? But, why, all, but why is it all gone? Because, because the they were 70s, buying Chinese we steel. Started, yeah, we started buying – Argentinian steel or yeah. something, and then Chinese steel. We went to whoever the lowest builder was, lowest bidder yeah. was. I want to say that started with Nixon. It may in have seventies, and it just got worse. That and shit worse. was all before our time. Yeah, well, my time. Well, <laughs> it was when I was in my eighties. You know, it's like <laughs> when I saw it happening, or maybe I was already a hundred when that started happening. But Alta, you're dead now, and now you hopefully got- they come back. I mean, I think. Now you got me and Wiggins all ramble, you know, all ra- <laughs> yeah. riled up about the future. We don't know enough about motorcycles to talk about them all day. And then we started on politics. We oh, really man. don't know anything yeah. about. Well, listen, another death in the family. The KLR 650 is gone. This is a 2018. It's the last year of the venerable Kawasaki work mule. I wonder if they're going to reinvent, re-release, re-update. Maybe just call I, it some. Different. I wonder if they're going to come out with like a KX. 450 or a KLR 450 because Honda is coming out with that new the 450 the 450L that's and, just illegal uh, and they already have the K3 well they have that little 300 versus right so I wonder if they're going to come out with the 300 version of the uh, maybe you know um, everybody's kind of winding down and going smaller going back to like the 70s you know what I'm saying like everybody's kind of going backwards yeah well they're also getting better power out of the smaller engines so it's like why not, you know? Yeah. Make a cheaper entry-level bike. There's been a lot of topics recently on why stuff's going away and then why stuff is getting smaller and kind yeah. of going back to the beginning. Um, that's the only two things I can think of that have died That uh, besides all the 600s from, from Honda that are getting rebooted. Everybody thought the 600 class was going to die, but everyone seems to keep being very interested <laughs> In them, but has anyone updated a 600? Honda just did. Honda's uh 20 was there's different at IMS, yeah. 
that new 600RR or whatever and the 650 motor that they're putting out. Yeah, but that's not that class. Also, the new twin turd. The new Kawasaki. Uh, no, no, that 650 is a inline four. Remember, we had this conversation last episode. Did we? Yeah. The um, the Kawasaki 636. Um, Yamaha is the only one I can't say that has really updated their R six in a while. But um, I don't know. But see, the 636 for a long time, it's never been a race legal bike, so no one's really known why they made it. Because huh. they're like, okay, so you have a 600. And you're going to make a totally different bike that's 36 cc's bigger, but you can't race it. But, I mean, and people bought them, but it's like, why 36 cc's? Not a 750. Yeah. I know. The 750 is a class where I don't understand why that exists. Like, Suzuki's It doesn't anymore. Suzuki's the only one. Yeah. When when, uh, World Superbike and stuff killed the 1,000 twin 754, everyone got rid of it. And went to four cylinder thousands. I wonder why nobody uses it to do like hooligan racing with. You could, yeah. But at the same token, you could use a thousand too. They weigh the same. Yeah, they both have way too much power and not going to give you any traction. Yeah. So, well, yeah, not not without a uh, certain crank firing yeah um but yeah there's i don't know man i i feel like we're i've felt like the last three years in motorcycling has been this weird like pinnacle of technology and we're seeing harley doing things that they've never done before and now uh we're seeing motorcycles that i never thought would die die and uh new ones replace them we're going backwards toward the 70s again where stuff is coming down in power somewhat displacements are going down i don't know if it has to do with tiered licensing i really need to look into this and see if it's uh, a glo- I, more of a global thing i am surprised at all the people that buy like r3s and cbr 300s and stuff like that there's a lot of them out there yep and as we found out at the show grom is what's propping honda up but a know? grom that like a lot of i'm gonna use this term and people may be upset but whatever Lost leader no, real motorcycle riders are riding Groms. Like, no one rides fucking 250s except you. I love them. And, but, and I feel like a lot of people buying them are, it's their first bikes. And you're seeing a lot more women getting into it, buying stuff like the R3s over an R6. Um, so on that side, I'm like, cool, I get that. But the Grom to me is a totally, totally different class. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are like, they have a thousand at home. And, and they'll get a Grom. A Grom yeah. yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of that stuff too with the Grom. Yeah. Um, the monkey's going to be weird because it's like that retro thing. And, you know, we talked about it for the price. Go buy a Grom. You're getting a lot more bike for the same money. Yeah. Um, the monkey is more and you're purely getting it for the retro. Yeah. To have a bigger – It's it, the Grom is – Going to be around for the, a while. It the, is. The well, monkey, and it's a, it's a fucking hooligan bike. The like, monkey is what I see. Not the, a hooligan flat track, but just like you can go out and do stupid yeah, shit on it. And, and not get really bike. banged up that yeah. bad. As a, if you do, and, try that on a 600 or yeah. a 1,000. You can take it to a cart track with supermotos. You can take them to like a Streets of Willow type thing, not with full and sport bikes. They've even had can. Grom classes at mm-hmm. Flat Out Friday. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The funny thing is, is that the monkey is what I felt like the scrambler was going to be. Although the scramblers have stuck around and kind of dug in their own niche, I feel like the monkey monkey is going to be the grom scrambler like i really don't think it's going to be yeah and i feel like it's it's a niche of a it's niche. a niche of a niche yeah where the grom it is a niche but it 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 
it appealed to more people. Yeah. So, and I'm not against them. I just have, what did we figure out earlier? Eight motorcycles at home yeah, right now? Yeah, no, you have 10. <laughs> don't let your wife listen to this episode. So, uh, I don't, I want a Grom though. Yeah, listen, everybody wants a Grom. I want But a honestly, Grom. for the price of a Grom, I can go buy another RC51. I know. <laughs> I know. And I know you wouldn't <laughs> pass that up. The thing is, is what I said earlier about the, what I don't care about the big five anymore is I really want to, I feel like we're getting to the point with motorcycles where now, like CSC has that new San Gabriel 250, obviously named after this valley, the San Gabriel Valley. I went there to CSC in last year's, after last year's IMS show. No, I mm-hmm. went there on my own just when I was riding up to Azusa, actually. And they ha- had it in there. It hadn't passed carb emissions yet, so it still wasn't street legal, and it was all black, and it was a little cafe racer. Two year- This is two years ago. Two years later, now it's for sale. Phil from Cleveland Moto just unboxed and assembled uh, in time-lapse the um, Genuine, which is a really good, sc- determined to be good scooter company. Um, Genuine C400, I think they're called, is a 400cc motorcycle, not a scooter. Kimco, who makes absolutely awesome scooters, came out with that electric superbike at EICMA. And I think right now... We are at this thing where we're seeing all these huge OEMs. And Ducati, oddly enough, and BMW aren't that huge. They are like the least uh, amount of sales here in the States. But they are some of the biggest technological and biggest like looked up to brands, most boutique brands. Well, they're innovative. Absolutely. not totally boutique, but they are enough where it's like the average person can afford some of their bikes. Yeah. Um, But the average person can afford some of their bikes. That every man can afford these smaller displacement Hondas and Kawasaki. Yeah, but that's why I mean by like they're looked up where CSCs. they're not like totally boutique, but they are, you know, you still got their boutique bikes, yeah. you know. So I'm wondering, here's here's my prediction for the next couple of years. I think I j- just because of the weird stuff I've been seeing with all these new companies emerging in ev- in the automotive industry as well, the big companies are shutting off the Ford. What are they making? What cars are they making after? Well, I this think year? one of the things that's always kind of been around is the big brands are scared to innovate. There's too many bean counters. They don't want to innovate. They're not going to try anything. So that's where the electric market is mostly small, you know, small brands. Because Harley's the first big brand to get in it. But how long has the electric market really been around now? Five or six, I mean, zero even longer. Zero almost 10 and years. Bramo, or Bramo, I rode, I test, I, I rode the actual bike that was for sale in 2007. I think Bramo started in 2006. So yeah. a little over a decade. So, I mean, you know, they haven't taken off. Zero crazy. They haven't after. done a lot of, yeah. but they're the ones that'll push the envelope. And I think Ducati and BMW are almost like that too. They're not, they're still not near as big as the Japanese big four. So they have to do something to stand out. So I just, I feel, I don't know if we're heading toward this new thing where the every man can afford a CSC 250 for 2000 bucks or the Raz. It's not called the Razkill anymore, but when I, Benelli, the people that own Benelli have those awesome little. The Razkill I think was a different one. Yeah, I forget who who made. But the that. Everyman, I mean, Honda's always made bikes for the Everyman, and they may cost a few hundred bucks more than the CSC. But I would put that new um, scooter. Which one? The Hawk. 
No. <laughs> what one did I sit on? The you, Cub. The Cub. Super Cub. I'd put that up against any CSC scooter any day. Yeah. And I'd put fucking trials tires on it and off-road it more than most Dude, of the, I know I mean, that thing. Because you, the Chinese companies are catching up and they are getting better with ripping off Our, Honda. <laughs> but, I mean, that's hands down. That's still what it always is. And you just don't have the quality. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing I'm seeing. I'm seeing better. The quality, quality is coming. Come it's out. getting better. Lifan yeah. and Zhang Shen <clears throat> and Shinare have been around for a long time making names for themselves. Kimco is Korean. And they're getting to where, um, like, it used to be a big problem with the Chinese motorcycles and stuff where, like, that brake lever was only on that bike. And yeah. you couldn't, if you broke your brake lever clutch lever like you were out of luck you yeah. couldn't ever replace it and now they're kind of getting more universal where yeah. you, you can do that stuff so the funny thing too is that cleveland moto and uh and uh, motorcycles and misfits I, I believe lovingly called it chinesium the components you couldn't trust yeah, yeah. but more and more as as the years have gone on since all that you know reputation happened i think these smaller brands are getting better at the stuff that they're doing, whether it's by hook or crook stealing from us or whether it's us going, hey, we need to make this cheaper. Here's how you do it. We're going to ship you some of our tooling or whatever it is and ship you our materials. Hell, we're buying steel from you anyway to make our cars. Uh, can you make you know make this this way? Whatever it is that's happening, I, I feel like we're at this crux right now where the the OEs, the biggest ones, if you can count eight motorcycle OEMs on your on your hands, if you only have eight fingers like me, it's it's all you can do. But you guys probably have ten. Maybe you know of ten major ones, you know, with like Triumph and Norton being like the last of the huge OEMs. Our Royal Enfields probably even sells more than them because we're you know in India they sell like eight hundred and seventy mm-hmm. million or thousand bikes a year. Um, that's another brand, Royal Enfield, getting better mm-hmm. and. Um, and I just feel like these smaller brands are going to come in and do what, like I've seen Tesla. I'm a, I'm assuming Rivian, Denoro. I'm assuming all these other brands are going to be doing under the OEs because the OEs can't change. Like you said, the OEs are scared. They have heavy, they're top heavy, and they can't change that fast. Or those people are well, going to start. They're, they're only worried about profits. So trying something new, if it doesn't work, well, yeah. You're going to lose profits and then their their shareholders yeah. won't be happy. So it's like – And it's like I it's said – all they can think about. So earlier when I said how many cars is Ford making now, they're making the Mustang and the Focus, right? The Focus – No, they killed the Focus. Altogether. I uh, think. Yeah. Was they, it the Focus well, They active? were going to rename a Focus yeah. and make it like an SUV. Okay. And then that, they maybe that's, they're not going to do that now. Oh, okay. And GM announced what, like five or six cars they're going to kill off. Everybody's going to – they're like just cutting. They're not trying to reinvent. They're just cutting. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's also a thing too where you had like the Fiesta and the Focus. Like the Focus is six inches bigger. Yeah. Like, like, why have a 650 and a 700? Or yeah. Or a 650 and a 750, right? Like, and a 600 and a 636. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? Why? Yeah. It, it really, I mean, it's that, it is that simple. Like, I think that we're going to start seeing this that? stuff in the motorcycle world. And I think that weird little mm-hmm. brands are going to start popping up again because, uh, because people in the motorcycle world, I think it's different than cars because people do want, weird stuff because as motorcycle riders like i feel like we're we want to stand out like that's part of what we do anyway like we do something that's kind of extreme so 
we don't want to just be normal. Like yeah. it's not no one, not very many people anyway, use their bikes to purely commute all the time. Yeah. So, you know, you want something that's a little louder, a little faster than it should be or whatever. So, yeah, I, you know what, to be honest, this sounds so dumb and so weird. I kind of want to buy, I almost, this is funny, but even before you were co-host, I almost went and bought a $60 helmet with the flip down thing off of Amazon full well knowing I wasn't actually going to ride it around, but I just wanted to see what, what makes people want to buy a cheap thing and how much better is a cheap or a good thing than a cheap thing is it noticeably different there's actually a really interesting youtube video on a ten dollar helmet versus even a hundred dollar helmet i think cool i'm i'm gonna watch they it. hit it with like a baseball bat and something else and it the cheap one gets destroyed really but people don't think of it it's like tires right like how many people are like oh well i mean how much are those tires and it's like especially on a motorcycle like that is your biggest connection to not crashing <laughs> yeah that's true right that's like your first connection to the road and the most important part to you not eating shit yeah you know and people don't think about it like i worked at a bicycle shop for a long time and a lot of people like trying to buy bicycle helmets and they're like oh yeah i, I just don't really like the way that it looks like and i'm like well you know they're not really designed to look good they're designed to protect your like, goddamn head because yeah. all you have is a Lycra suit on with that. I mean, if you think <laughs> about it, like the helmet's main purpose, you never want to use. Like you never yeah. want to use yeah. a helmet for what it is designed yeah. for. Is that that's like the weirdest thing. But so in people's head, like they don't want to buy a $600 helmet. Yeah. You know, and the thing is like if you ride a lot um, and you wear a helmet a lot, you want something comfortable. You want something nice. You do notice a difference with wind noise and comfort yep. and yep. style, whatever. But yeah, a helmet's one of those things where you you never want to use it for its intended purpose. Yeah. It's not intended for you to wear every day. Yeah. It's intended for you to crash in and save your head. Yeah. You just don't know when that's going to happen, so you wear it every day. Yeah. Well, in California, you have to, but yeah. <laughs> I wear it every day anyway. Yeah. And, and circling that back around to motorcycles, I kind of that same sort of weird fetish in me to see, to punish myself and see what would a cheap bike do? Would a cheap bike last 10,000 miles? Would it last a thousand miles? Would it last 90,000? Would yeah. it last longer than I've, and be more fun than any of the bigger bikes that I've had that I got rid of right away. Cause they're to me, they weren't my cup of tea. Like I kind of was intrigued by that genuine 400 and not only because of the price point, but because I'm like 400, that sounds fun to me. Like it doesn't, and it's a parallel twin 400, right? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure those are parallels. I don't think they're singles. Yeah. I think they're twins. And the Royal Enfields, well, Royal Enfield was one of the very first street bikes that I rode, um, bullet 500. And, uh, so those new interceptor twins look pretty sweet. And I'd seen some old twins that were like the fury like flat trackers that they royal enfield made and they were pretty bitching i mean granted it was 1960 and so you're getting 1960s technology again you know the yeah. second time around but a little bit more refined and and, and made with better components but the same thing is like i know that's not going to be like a kick-ass fun sport bike speed it's going to be cruising around fun but it would be fun for the Hanson ride. It'd be fun for the ride of the roses. I just, I kind of like, and then the price point for me being yeah. such a cheapo with, you know, two kids, it's like, do I, 
go out and get 10 bikes I don't, you know i can't <laughs> no. and uh because i don't have one to leverage you know what i mean like you you're in a good spot charlie brown captain weird beard you got a lot of good you got a good equity in your garage but um not not much good equity yeah but does it feel like it's going down quick bikes. no <laughs> yeah. they're doing good it's just i just use them so much and yeah. it's so much a part of like what yeah i do in life that it's like i i know i don't need them but i don't know yeah i feel it, like i've made it keeps me sane too yeah oh yeah for sure dude there's days when i'm like i've got to get out of here like i just i gotta go ride like work's bugging me my family's bugging me yeah. and not in bad ways and just the older like, i get the more that i like well one since i don't really commute every day anymore but the track is like whether it's flat track or road race or whatever like that keeps me sane it, it, yeah. it allows me to push it but i'm that type of person too where like when i ride i want to push it i want yeah. i want to see I want to better myself and I want to like control the machine yeah. that much more every time. So yeah, that's something I want to talk about on a later episode too. Cause I was thinking about in my profession, not now desk jockey, but my previous profession, we would go in for certification every couple of years, you know, yeah. you keep up standard on how things are. And motorcycling is like one of those things that you can do that probably nobody does. So I, I don't want to talk about it now because we're already like, uh, we've been here for eight and a half hours. Yeah, we're a long way, <laughs> yeah. actually. So we're probably going to wrap this show up. But man, I feel like we've covered so much on this show. I did want to call you though. When I, after we got, after we got home and got settled in, I was like, I'm going to text Wiggins and see if he's taking that thing out for a test ride and shakedown because I want to go, I want to get out. I've been in the car all damn day. So I want to get uh, out. Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I figured you did. I took it a, yeah, I pulled the body off on the one side and found Wyatt speed water over me. Yeah. And, um, it's because there's a drinking fountain. Who knew the RC51s yeah. had a drinking fountain? So I fixed that. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to ride it to work tomorrow. I'm not going to ride it right now. And then the valve stem on the rear was leaking. So I pulled the rear oh, wheel damn. off. The dude gave me a set of stands too. So that was rad. Nice. So I pulled the rear wheel off and I got a valve core or a valve stem. Yeah. So rad. Well, guys, that's our show. Um, it's, it's a long show. It's, I think we're going to be at two and a half hours. This yeah. Time. At least. So, uh, yeah, you guys, I hope you had fun. I hope you liked the challenge this week. You guys let us know who won it this week because we we're undecided here. We both picked the rear suspension mono shock. <laughs> who, who does that? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Peace out. Wiggs, you got any cool sign-offs? Any profound, meaningful sign-offs? No.